Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sloppy puck play in the third period in their own end. Burns the Blues in a big way tonight. 4-1 the final, a game that was 1-1 halfway through the third period. Surprise, surprise. Let's get nasty on a Friday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers of Anthony Stolzer, Marsha Marsh here as well. 203, your time check is brought to you by Collection Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Calgary Flames get their revenge against our Blues. 4-1 last night. In a game that the Blues never really seemed to have control of, uh, it kind of was that the, the game really didn't get going until the the third period, and then things kind of went off the rails there for the Blues. But Jamie, you were in the office and you were telling Marsh and I that you felt that the Flames played a very patient game last night. What did you mean? Well, ordinarily, you know, a Daryl Sutter coach team, they uh, they like to get after it on the forecheck and, and get in there, and much like the Blues. You know, they, they, they thrive off of being a heavy forecheck team. And last night, they did forecheck, but a lot more passive than I thought they were going to be. And they crowded the neutral zone, playing a very patient game, almost like waiting for mistakes to happen. And lo and behold, that's... It's literally what happened. The Blues gave the game to the Calgary Flames with some mistakes that were made in the offensive zone uh, with some of the coverage, in the defensive zone with some turnovers. Uh, and, and, you know, th- their goalie, by the way, Dan Vladar, relatively unknown as a goaltender in the NHL, and uh, he made some big saves. Out there playing without a helmet. Yeah, he, he did. He made some saves right after that too, but he made some saves that could have, for the Blues early in the game, and then it seemed like he was almost unbeatable, which he almost was unbeatable last night. So, uh, a tough one for the Blues. It was a grinding type game. I just didn't like some of the goals against. I just didn't like some of the decision-making by the Blues in important times. Thomas. Yeah, it just seems too too, um, frequent. And, like, if you look at their goal in the second period, it ends up being a two-on-one. They make a play. Thomas Grice, who played very, very well, again, last night. Uh, you know, the, the the Calgary Flames had 40 shots on net on Thomas Grice last night. But on that play in particular, the Blues are, you know, passing the puck around. Jordan Cairo probably could have taken a shot at the net. He tries to go to Callie Rosen. It's not Callie Rosen's fault to move in there and create offense. It gets picked off, and then Robert Thomas, just his read of the play, I think he'd like it back because he goes right at the puck carrier, which, you know, you talk about taking away time and space and closing out plays. I'm sure that was what's going through his head, but a shoulder check would tell you that there's two guys behind you, and all that player has to do is chip the puck past you, and it's two-on-one. In that situation, Robert Thomas probably would have liked to have had a little more of a delayed pressure, uh, maybe a more passive angle, almost playing it like a three-on-two while you wait for reinforcements to come back and at least maybe even up the numbers on the rush. But he got aggressive, which, again, I can't fault him because it is about taking away the time and space. They go down two-on-one score on that goal. Yeah, It is what it is. At least he's playing aggressive. The one I really didn't like was the go-ahead goal. 
you have the puck in your own end. Uh, you're battling away with a team that is just being very patient and kind of just clogging up the middle of the ice. Robert Thomas has, he has Pavel Buchnevich. But it's like, oh yeah, I got a guy in the end zone. It looks like he's wide open, but they're blitzing me and I don't see the, my blind side isn't covered and you throw an interception. So Robert Thomas yesterday, he sees that long bomb pass. That's not the play to make. The play to make on that, unless you're 100%, is back up the wall, uh, live to fight another day. He goes for the home run pass. It gets slightly deflected, picked off, and it ends up in the back of the net. And after that, you're chasing the game. Justin Falk and Nola Chari behind the net um, for the third goal. Instead of just making a hard play back up the strong side, they try to go weak side, turnover, kicks out in front, and it's another goal at that point from a player who didn't have any coverage on him because there's three guys down below the goal line. Tough scenario for the Blues. It's just those same mistakes kind of presenting themselves. And you're hoping at this point of the season they start to learn from some of it. Do you think maybe that's why the Flames decided to play that way? They just they just faced the Blues, so there wasn't going to be any sort of nuance thing that the Blues were going to throw at them in the second game that they hadn't seen before. Do you think this was a situation where the, the Calgary coaching staff said, look, you've got three guys that are injured for them. They're, they're playing well, but at some point... The, the, a lot of these young guys are going to start to make mistakes. Now, I know it wasn't the young guys that made the mistakes last night. I know that, you know, Thomas decision, the Thomas decision making on the one play, uh, Falk, I think, had a, another, you know, him and Achari kind of, yeah, I'll, so I'll hold them both kind of. So it's the veterans last night, but going into the going into last night, when you're talking about playing a patient game, you know, that that to me is a veteran team that says, okay, let's just we'll get to the third period. As soon as we get a lead, we'll suffocate them. But let's not lose the game. Let's let let's them force let's let's force them to to make those mistakes. And then as soon as we can capitalize on a lead, then we'll just play lockdown. That's Daryl Sutter right there that told his team we're going to just get a gritty, ugly road win tonight. And that's kind of what they did. Uh, they tried to take advantage of whatever opportunities they had, and they were to me they were waiting for the Blues to make situational mistakes. And they did. Now, the Flames also made those mistakes. Unfortunately, the Blues couldn't beat Vladar, the goalie, for the Flames. That's the difference. And, t- and again, I go back to Thomas Grice. He played very well. Faced 40 shots on net. And, and you can't blame Thomas Grice for that. It's just that last night, the Blues were unable to finish off plays. And they went 0 for 3 on the power play. I think, I mean, can't do that. Right. And at times, the power play looked... You know, somewhat disorganized and, and disheveled. Um, not an effort that I think any of the Blues players are certainly sitting around today going, wow, we're proud of that one. I think they know that it wasn't a great game. Uh, you know, the Thomas line in particular had a rough night. I think they're outshot 9 nothing or something in the game. Actually, I'm almost positive. 9 nothing. That's completely uncharacteristic for them. When's the last time that teams, you know, did that to them, specifically holding them off the the score sheet per se from shots on goal so um not a great game but you gotta bounce back you don't have time to sit and kind of lick your wounds you got the tampa bay lightning coming in here tomorrow night and it's a big couple of days for the blues the franchise anyways you got the hall of fame dinner tonight to which i'm sure a lot of blues fans are excited about and i think it's sold out 
in record time with 400 and some season ticket holders that bought up tickets. So there's a buzz. There's going to be a lot of alumni guys in attendance on Saturday, a lot of Hall of Fame guys in attendance on Saturday. The building will be buzzing, so you don't have time to sit there and, and woe is me if you're the Blues. You kind of, If I'm a player, I'm excited. I'm like, yeah, didn't go the way we wanted last night. Uh, I'd like to have some of these plays back. But the buzz in that rink on Saturday night is going to be awesome. Yeah, hopefully you can feed off that. And we will have the game for you, of course, Blues and Lightning pregame starting at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. And we'll have the puck drop right here on the Blues Radio Network 101 ESPN. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter, plenty to come throughout the course of the show, including what does the arbitration cases mean for the future of the Cardinals? So the Cardinals just ripping off arbitration cases left and right. Two players, though. They didn't come to terms with before the deadline. So we'll discuss those two players and what that means as well. Next to the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. surprise people and make them happy i don't know if people are going to be happy upset or read anything about these arbitration cases for the cardinals but the cardinals did make a slew of moves earlier today agreeing to arbitration cases or contracts with several players we'll go over them quickly and then we'll kind of dive into what what they mean the latest person or player to receive a contract was Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond, the Cardinals avoided arbitration. They agreed to a one-year, $4.2 million contract. Jordan Hicks and the team agreed on terms of a one-year, $1.8 million contract. Andrew Kisner agreed to a one-year, $1.1 million contract. Tyler O'Neill avoided arbitration. One year's one year, $4.95 million. Dakota Hudson avoided arbitration. One year, $2.65 million. And Jack Flaherty avoided arbitration one year 5.4 million and finally jordan montgomery also agreed to a one-year 10 million dollar contract to avoid arbitration the two players that the two that the team did not sign or agree to an arbitration case by the deadline ryan helsley and Hennessy cabrera okay so can we stop there for a second sure with with cabrera and helsley here's how i think it went down I think the Cardinals are happy to go to arbitration with Cabrera, and I think Helsley wants to take the Cardinals to arbitration. That makes sense. Because Helsley had the career or the the, the year of careers mm-hmm. last year, and Cabrera did not. So I think the Cardinals looking at it could go, you know what? We'll take our chances with Cabby. Right. And Helsley probably said, I like your offer, because I'm sure there was an offer, but I'll take my chances with arbitration. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll bank on... Yeah, I'll bank on them agreeing to uh, a higher salary for me. I I, I, I think, think the Cardinals will come on. around with Helsley. I don't think that'll actually go to arbitration. Whereas I think the Cabrera one probably will. Well, they will. I think I think they have to head to an arbitration hearing now because they're they're going to exchange. Yeah, but they can still settle after okay. that. Fair enough. They, Am I wrong? Correct me if I'm wrong. They're going to. I'm pretty sure they exchange salary figures and then the arbiter determines that yeah but i think they have a grace period of time to where before their case is actually heard or arbitrated on however you want to sure arbor <laughs> what's the word i'm looking for i never i'm not asking you um it's a good idea no offense 
But I think yeah, not taken. <laughs> I think that there's a gap there where they can still settle. I'm pretty sure that's for long term deals. I mean, or it's the NHL. I'm thinking whatever, of, whatever, I mean, look, man. The the bottom line is there's <laughs> text line it, help. It's not like it's not like Ryan Helsley and Hennessy Cabrera will never play for the Cardinals ever again. They're going to exchange figures, and then they likely head to an arbitration hearing, and then th- if they want to agree to a multi multi year extension, if both parties are interested, then they could do that. So what does all this mean? I, I've seen I've seen some reaction from payroll went up, baby. <laughs> payroll went up. That's one. <laughs> uh, but a lot, you know, there's some Cardinals fans that are they they're picking and choosing certain players and saying, well, that's that's too much. Uh, why would they do that? Why would you give Dakota Hudson okay, a two point something million dollar contract? List? Jack Flaherty. Why would you sign him to a? See, I don't think that's of, bad. All of that set. There's there there's certain things that. Based on either it's performance, it's performance based. They look back to a year ago. They kind of try to meet in the middle and they sign. It's not like it's this massive negotiation. It's not like these guys are free agents, and you know if they go to if they go to market, they determine what their market value is and then come back. To, it's it's arbitration cases. They're they're trying to avoid having a hearing because when that happens, and I don't know Jamie how it is in hockey, but you go in and the team lists all the things that. You know, you didn't do well, basically, mm-hmm. and here's why we think you you shouldn't be you shouldn't be getting a raise as significant as what you think. You want to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, because you go into those negotiations and you think you're a pretty good player, and then you get done with that and you want to quit the game forever. I'm terrible. Ah, they hate me. Right? No, they just it's business, man. So I I would advise players to stay out. If do not go in that room. If if you remember, don't you go in that room, man. Jamie, if you remember, Tyler O'Neill went through this a year ago, and it seemingly affected him at the at the start of the year. It didn't seemingly, it did. The injuries I mean, were I one guess thing. We have to assume because he didn't tell us, but the injuries were one his thing. Play told us, but he, yeah, he he did not he did not start right, and you know, we could speculate that then love the arbitration process a year ago. Nonetheless, none of this none of this moves the needle. For me, I don't know how you guys feel, but arbitrate going to arbitration, or or in this case, avoiding arbitration, this is all part of it. This is just this is just the business of baseball. I don't think this tells us anything about how the Cardinals view Jack Flaherty long term, or how they view Andrew Kisner long term, or how they view Tyler O'Neill or Jordan Hicks long term. That would come if there's a long term extension involved. If they were to sign Tommy Edmond to a four year deal buy out some of his arbitration and maybe a year or two of, of free agency, that tells us more about the Cardinals' commitment to a player like Tommy Edmond. Arbitration does not, in my in my viewpoint. Now, could they DFA these guys? Or Yeah, they could, but they could still do that at any point anyways. So, Tommy Edmond, Jordan Hicks, Andrew Kisner, Tyler O'Neill, Dakota Hudson, Jack Flaherty, Jordan Montgomery. We know nothing, we know nothing more about their long-term future with the Cardinals today than we did a, than we did yesterday. It, it the arbitration it tells me tells me nothing from that from that standpoint. I also don't think you should be you, you know if you're sitting there and saying well, you, know, they, you know they gave they gave Jack Flaherty a five point four million a lot of money for a guy that hadn't pitched. All, again, all of this is is set up based on performance and what they made a year ago. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Now, if they sign Jack Flaherty a five-year contract extension, now we can talk. So Jack Flaherty at five point four million, uh, 
I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but I feel like that's a good deal for the Cardinals because I'm sure Jack Flaherty would have liked to have gone to arbitration. And, you know, let, actually, let me rephrase this. Based on Jack Flaherty's comments throughout the last few years, had Jack Flaherty been healthy and been pitching, he would have absolutely been dragging the Cardinals to arbitration for a higher dollar amount. That is the thing that a lot of people can get confused with Flaherty. That was always his plan. And it's more it was it was less about the Cardinals and no, more about Major League Baseball's baseball process. Overall. People took that as he he definitely wants to go to market. He wants to be a Dodger. Maybe that's the case. But his point in saying I'm I want it on record to go to the arbitration process and all that is because he thought I'm a good player. I I can get a raise each and every year and that's what I intend to do. We'll go to arbitration. Now he got hurt, and thus that all of that went out the window. But people thought like he don't want to sign with the Cardinals. That that's not what that's not what his comments were intended intended for. It was it was about shaking up the establishment in Major League Baseball and the arbitration process. Go yeah. ahead, Jamie. And so I feel like the Cardinals, because of the way things have um, played out the last couple of seasons, they got Jack Flaherty probably on the low end at five point four. Or, or really, yes, based on how they played out injury-wise. That's what I'm saying. Yes, then yes, I agree. What do you guys think about Jordan Montgomery and where he goes from here? It's a nice bump. It's a nice bump for Montgomery. I think Tommy Edmond, who's first-time eligible, and Jordan Montgomery, who's who's in his last year of arbitration, they, they were the ones that got the, the most significant bumps. But Tommy Edmond also established himself as a full-time shortstop a year ago and a full-time player. Not that he wasn't before, but... He's, you know, he goes from being a gold glove second baseman to the everyday shortstop position, a, pre, a premium position, and played it, played, played all year. His WAR was very good. He got a nice raise, and he should have. Jordan Montgomery, same deal. He comes over from the Yankees in that trade, and he pitched very well for the Cardinals. So he gets a significant bump. Now, whether or not Jordan Montgomery is going to get a long term extension, I don't know. Based on the fact that he's a Scott Boris agent, I would imagine he'll he will go to market, i.e., free agency next year. And the Cardinals are going to have to bid bid with everybody else, but you don't think this this little bump here for Montgomery? You don't think that they can negotiate an extension based on this? They could, sure. Like, don't you think it shows that, like, the Cardinals no problem spending the money for a guy that's worth it? Like, I don't think they're going to give him twenty million dollars, but what does Montgomery get on the open market? Depends on how he pitches this year. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but like. Let's say he has a similar year to last year. Yeah. Um, like, I just wonder if he's going to be pricing himself out of the Cardinals organization because the Cardinals won't go that high. I doubt or, it. You know yeah, what I mean? I doubt it. I because mean, the bullpen or the rotation is empty right. next year. They went, what, Michaelis? Is he the only guy they have? No, no, he's uh, Stephen Matz. No, Stephen Matz, that's it. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy. So, like, why wouldn't you be leaning into a Jordan Montgomery for a few extra years? And I know you probably don't want to pay the premium, but what is the premium? And is it that bad when you don't have anything else? This is somebody that you know. Jordan Montgomery is a, is a player for me that you know what you're going to get. I think to your point, Jamie, you you know you know basically what his floor and his ceiling is. So why why not work on a contract extension now? At worst, he's he's a number four for you. At best, he's probably you know a solid a solid three. So whatever that salary is, but at one point they gave Mike Leake eighty plus million dollars. 
And that was another guy that you, you didn't – he was never going to be an ace. He was never going to be somebody that was going to be a top-end starter for you. And you threw 85, 85 mil at him. And this was five, six years ago. So I don't think that Jordan – I don't think that the Cardinals are going to be priced out of Jordan Montgomery. It's just a matter of whether or not Jordan Montgomery wants to go to the free agent market and why, what Scott Boris is telling him. Yeah. If I were him, I'd go to the free agent market. You might as well see what yeah. you're worth. But he has expressed that he enjoys being here. So that – that could work. In well, what's the he going to say? I don't like it here. It's my last year. Kiss me goodbye. <laughs> I don't like my Ravs toasted. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a facetious way to you, Marshy. I'm just saying, like most players are going to say, no, I enjoy it. I like it here. Right now, well, there are unless you're Dylan Larkin. Well, and, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and then you, you know, you've got these small percentage of guys who truly mean what they're saying. You know, hence the Paul Goldschmidt, the Nolan Arnato, the guys that want to be here, and other players that have stayed here over the years. I don't know if Monty has enough of a tie yet to the city of mm-hmm. St. Louis, but I guess time will tell. So our guy BK just just texted me and he said, "Look at Bassett's number. That that seems to be right around where Jordan Montgomery get now. Bassett got Chris Bassett." who was a free agent this past year. He's 33, so he's he's six years older than Montgomery. But he got a three-year, $63 million contract from the Blue Jays in free agency. I think based on age, Montgomery would probably get a little bit more than that. But but I understand BK's point. That's that's kind of the, the range. We're not talking about a $100 million player here. We're talking about somebody that, based on how, how many years he gets, I would imagine Jordan Montgomery gets four to five. You're looking at, you know... 65 to 85 million again based on years that's not gonna that, that's not gonna screw up your your how many years if it's oh, five based on years yeah if it's three he probably gets about 65 if it's five probably you know 85 figure. would you pay that yeah i, I think starting I'd, pitching's not cheap i think i'd be apprehensive except for the fact that you don't have anybody i have nothing yeah i have steven matz and to go out and get another Montgomery, you're going to pay that freight anyway. Well, what did Why St- not keep the guy here? And what did Stephen? I forget what Steve. What did Stephen Matz get? I think he's 19 million. I just pulled that right out of my rear end. I should. <laughs> you know what? I should have just wrote it out and staltered it. But he's I, making eight. He made eight mil last year. Ten mil this year. Twelve mil. Twelve mil in the yeah. final two years. Like I said, 19. <laughs> the payroll did go up, Anthony. Yeah, it did. I, he got I an, keep trying. He got a a, a pay raise. So if Shut if the Cardinals, up. so he signed a four year four four year forty four million dollar contract at Stephen Matz. I think I think Montgomery probably gets a little bit more than that. But not by much. I'd do it. Now will Montgomery do it? I don't know. We'll see. So there you go. Cardinals avoid arbitration cases with some of those players. We'll see what happens with Ryan Helsley and Genesis Cabrera when they go to arbitration. Today was the deadline. So they're going to go to arbitration. They'll have to settle settle inside court there. What's trending is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh with What's Trending. And Anthony, Mike Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, he hurt his back in the last week. 
He fractured it, actually, and he will be out two to three weeks and will miss the first round of the playoffs. Brandon Staley, what have you done? So for those that don't know, the Chargers, i.e. Brandon Staley, the head coach for the Chargers, decided to play the starters in, in Week 18. There was a small chance that the Chargers could improve their seating, not dramatically, but they could have improved their seating with a win and I believe a Ravens victory in Week 18. They knew by kickoff, though, that the Ravens had lost to the Bengals and that they were they were in the fi- the, the fifth seed. They were they were guaranteed to have the fifth seed. There was no reason to play any of their starters, especially Mike Williams, who had been banged up in previous in previous weeks. He had just gotten back, I think, I don't know, two or three weeks prior. Brandon Staley decides to play his starters anyways for for no reason. Uh, or the reason he gave Jamie was that, hey, listen, it's hard to manage a football team. There's only so many players. I only have 45 players. Yeah, the Giants, as I've brought up before, the Giants were able to play all of their backups and nearly beat the Eagles, who were playing all their starters and wanted the top seed in the NFC. Yet the Chargers mm-hmm. needed to play their starters because they couldn't feel the football team, apparently. If you don't know what Mike Williams means to your offense, get out. Keenan Allen's a great player. Keenan Allen's going to catch 42 passes on Saturday. One of the key difference makers is is Mike Williams. He demands extra coverage, which means one-on-one for players like Keenan Allen or Gerald Everett or Austin Eckler, who's one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. If you don't know what that guy means to your offense, get out. He does risk playing you should you probably shouldn't be coaching that team i wonder if he makes it if the chargers lose tomorrow night in jacksonville no, i think the chargers upper management it's uh, not that they're looking for a reason um but if they lose this game i think they're looking for a reason this is unacceptable how do you uh, how do you watch that even as upper management as it's unfolding and, and somehow not send a message right. down there? Who thought that was like, a good idea? What are you doing? They've yeah. already had a ton of injuries this season. Keenan Allen missed half the season. You would think, that, hey, maybe we should rest our players and I don't know. You got more than enough guys. Josh Have Palmer could be your number one wide yeah. receiver against it. By the way, you lost. You lost too. So what was the point? What if Justin Herbert got hurt? Oh, that would have been, yeah. Explain that. And we'll have the best backup quarterback in NFL history starting. <laughs> who's, who's the backup? Chase Daniel? Yeah. Most profitable, I think. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. I, I really don't. Hurt his back in a meaningless Week 18 game against Denver. Not 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 able to practice. I I don't I don't understand it. I so. wonder if the, the Chargers upper management saw the same photoshopped photo I did of Sean Payton wearing Chargers gear. You don't have to go very far. Boy, would he be good with Herbert. Oh, man. Oh, my. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Go on, Marsh. Uh, so, $10 million, Jordan Montgomery, that is the highest amount that the Cardinals reached with uh, one of their players for ar- uh, avoiding arbitration. Anthony, it could have been $23 million. Oh, Juan I know Soto. where you're yep. Oh, wow. Could have been 23. And what did Dylan Carlson make this oh, past wow. year? <laughs> Anthony, what, stop it. What did he make, 3.5? Could have made the deal, Jamie. 
Could have had Juan Soto. One year, $23 million contract to uh, avoid arbitration is what sources are telling ESPN. Uh, expect to be the richest deal of the day. Good for good for him. It's a good. It was a good deal for both sides. The Yankees love uh, Yankees and Yankees fans love love Harrison Bader now. Love him. He's going to cover all of the outfield for them next year. Probably hit twenty three bombs. <laughs> <laughs> he might. He was slamming beers last night. I believe doing his thing. MSG. New York kid. Yep. Now Montgomery pitched well for them. I hope. The, I hope the Cardinals sign him to a contract extension at some point. I wouldn't rule it out. But yeah, Juan Soto. You guys think he stays there long term? He's a Padre. No, I don't think the Padres can afford him. Look at the rest of their lineup. They just keep taking on contract after contract and money after money. It's San Diego, Anthony. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. Sunshine State. Very desirable for players to be, I'm sure. However, I just don't know if it's um, financially sustainable in that market for them. They win, it is. But, no, you're right. Typically, not a large market. No. Do you think maybe they try and make a deal with him if they don't win a World Series? If they do win a World Series, they say, hey, look, we got what we set out to get check you later now it's time to move on and maybe bring in somebody else well when does Manny Machado's contract come up because that that would be the one I'd be looking at because he he signed for he signed a 10-year three three hundred million dollar contract but I believe there's some opt-outs for him yeah I think there's an opt-out for him in 2024 so this so after this season if Manny Machado opts out I think that would be you know Soto would be the pivot yeah. If Machado stays stays put, then Jamie, to your point, it's going to be very difficult to pay Manny Machado thirty million a year, and then throw in another forty some odd million dollars a year for Juan Soto, who's only twenty three. Yeah, that's going to be rough. But if Machado opts out, then you'll have enough do re mi. Yeah, you can move the money around to there. throw at Soto. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the pivot. Guys, Sammy Watkins of the Baltimore Ravens. Was on uh, was doing a, a recent interview and he was talking about Lamar Jackson and the whole Lamar Jackson situation. He said, "In this league, everybody is pretty much banged up. They're hurt. I don't want to speak for him and his situation and whatever he's going through with the contracts. I don't know in the world he's uh, what in the world he's in. But for me, you have a chance to do something special. We all know with Lamar out there, this team is really freaking good, and special things can happen. He can will this team to a Super Bowl. I don't think he's thinking about it that way. Also went on to say." I think the world is ready to see Lamar back on the field doing what he does best and get all the stipulations and contract stuff behind him. I pray somebody talks to him like, man, just sign the deal. This is coming from a guy that's been cut from multiple teams <laughs> and wasn't even on the Ravens a few weeks ago. The, op- the optics don't look good for Lamar Jackson. The optics are like he's not playing because you know, he doesn't want to get further injured here because he doesn't have a contract. We have no idea what the injury situation is for Lamar Jackson. He might not be able to run at top speed. He might not be able to put all his weight. I don't know what – I forget which which knee it is. Is it, is it his, uh, his left? I think it's his left. If it's his right, that's his plant leg. If it's, you know, mm-hmm. if it's his front leg, you're, you, the, that affects his accuracy. We have no idea. The optics don't look good, though. 
Why? Because it looks like he's not willing to play somewhat hurt in a playoff game. So, okay, so so let's dive into this, okay? So a player is not willing to play hurt. So the player is not willing to commit above and beyond and maybe risk further injury, maybe real serious injury to himself. And that's that's a bad look. But the team is not willing to commit to him beyond this year, and yet they're expecting him to play injured. That's a good look? You're right. I don't know what the contract holdup is, though. I don't either, but what I'm, I guess what I'm getting at here is the athlete at some point has to protect himself. Sure. I don't condone not playing through some injury. But if this is a career decision for Lamar Jackson, like we don't know what the injury is. Right. If it is in the knee and there's something... His well, it's, plant, it's a like, PCL sprain uh what was it uh so what if he gets grade two borderline grade three so what if he gets absolutely annihilated right. on a hit because mm-hmm. he can't avoid something or yeah, he his can't career, make a career's over and, and now turn into rg3 yeah. and then and then mm-hmm. and then the ravens go well all right well yeah. i guess right, a good on good draft this year let's yes. see if we can trade up right and, and so that's the only problem i have with people not liking the optics and, and you know you're right anybody who knows me or any of our listeners yeah you play through the injury, you do it. But looking at the bigger picture of it all here right now, if he's not a hundred percent, one, it, it'll affect maybe it won't affect uh, when you look at his stats for the game and how he plays because it's isolating it to one game as opposed to his body of work. But what if he gets injured even worse and then the Ravens walk on him? Like, yeah, I, I, no, I Jamie, you're right. You I bring, have to look at both sides. You bring up a really good point. I think what you said, though, is the I don't know part. We don't know. We're all assuming that the Ravens, I, I've heard this one several times. Well, what you know, what's the deal? Why don't the Ravens just sign him? Well, if, the, if Lamar Jackson wants the Deshaun Watson deal, I don't know how comfortable the Ravens are willing to pay even, even an MVP winner guaranteed money like that, knowing you have an entire roster to fill in a capped sport. That could be the issue. Or Lamar Jackson wants out of Baltimore. Or, I don't know. We don't know. We don't know what the contract situation is, why why Lamar Jackson remains without a long-term deal. And we've gotten zero clarity on it since the season began. Yeah. We could just assume. And now the injury situation on top of it, all we're doing is speculating. But, Jamie, I think that's a really good point that you made about the team and the optics not looking great for the team either. Jamie Rivers. Wait, one more thing here in the What's Trending. Uh, just reported by Adam Schefter. Sean McVay will be returning to the Rams. Breaking news. I really hope it just said L.A. That would have been funny. No. So that would be actually crazy. He's returning to L.A. Sean don't McVay. know what... Just don't know what team. Returning to the Rams. Interesting. All right, it's Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Who's the one long shot? The one long shot you could see winning it all this year in the NFL. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I don't know how you guys' Super Bowl list looks in terms of which teams could win it all, but I've, I've only got five teams. I've got one. Bucks. 
other team. I'm just yeah, kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As you were, Anthony. So more to more on the Bucks in a second here. I'll ask a follow-up question on this. But I've got the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Bengals. I think the three teams that can win it all in the AFC, again, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Bills and Bengals, by the way, are likely to play each other in that in the divisional round. So one of those teams are going to be eliminated. I, I could see Justin Herbert winning a Super Bowl. I, I can't see the Chargers yeah, winning a Super Bowl. So I'm, right I'm, I'm avoiding coming out of that conference. Good luck. The Eagles and the 49ers are the only teams that I believe could win a Super Bowl in the NFC. Based on the Super Bowl odds, those are also the five teams with the best odds. So if I were to throw it out to you guys, mm. who is the one long shot that could win it all? Well, then I will, at that point, I will say the Buccaneers. And I believe them. I don't know what the odds are exactly, Anthony. I'm sure you have them. but Plus, plus uh, 2,800. I, I would call that a long shot. 100%. Yeah. yeah. They would be my pick. I don't really, the, believe, the, the, I don't really believe they're yeah, going to win the Super Bowl. Just for we're having fun. But we're having fun. To, pick a long shot. If I'm picking a value bet, that's the one. Marsh, I actually have the the Jags you as traitor. my team. Are you kidding me right now? Long Just, hair, freaky people. Why would you? Absolutely. You know, you're the one Vikings representative mm-hmm. here. People I'm not are trying to be biased. You. People are begging you. No, Marsh. They're expecting me to say that. Marshy. They're expecting me to say the Vikings. I'm going to give you a reason you're why. You're our guy, Marsh. I'm going to go through on. this list, Anthony. Andrew's got a reason. That's what they're saying. Jamie? So we have the Cowboys. We'll start off the Cowboys. They're cursed. They're out. The Chargers, Brandon Staley's their head coach. Mike <laughs> Mike Williams, not playing. They're out. Todd Bowles is the Buccaneers head coach. They're out. The Vikings, they have the worst defense in the league. They're out. The Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson. They're out. The Jags, they got a Super Bowl winning head coach, Anthony, and a really good quarterback. Some good uh, wide receiver options, good tight end. I like their defense. They're my team. They're my long shot. I mean, it's not a horrible, it's not a horrible pick. The only reason I don't like it, though, Marshy, is that they're in the AFC. If they were in the NFC, I'd be 100% behind you at this point. I'm going Cowboys. Oh, my God. If it's a long shot, I'll, I'll take the Cowboys. Why? Surprise, surprise. No, honestly, why, Anthony? Running game travels in the postseason. And you really think you got that two they, backs that you are think that's going to make the difference? I I think it could, absolutely. Okay. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, they could they could shorten up games that way, mm-hmm. keep their defense off the field. Now, will they? No. Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy are probably like, throw it, Dak. Don't the Cowboys have one of the best defenses in the league? So Not why really. Why are you trying to keep them off the field? I know ultimately you'd like to keep them off the field. It means you're yeah. playing offense. I get that. Right. But what's the risk? The idea is if you want to play if you want to play good defense, play less defense. Okay. Because the idea is again, limited time for your defense to keep everybody stays rested, your pass rushers stay rested. You limit possessions for the other team, which means you limit scoring opportunities for the other team. And if you can run the ball effectively, you can do that. The defense for the Cowboys has gone backwards big time. The injuries haven't helped, but they do have they do have elements, right? Micah Parsons in that pass rush. They've got a secondary that causes turnovers the problem is Dak is putting the ball on a silver platter for everybody else mm-hmm. like it's the thanksgiving dinner exactly he's too he's too turnover prone <laughs> i see what you did there but if the cowboys can <laughs> was actually awesome can find their mid-season remember everybody's like oh i think the cowboys are going to catch the eagles by mid-season that's because the offense was humming and the defense was doing its thing if they can kind of restore that then you know i could see it 
Again, we're talking about long shots here. No, I agree. So we got text from the uh, Air Comfort Service text line. What about the Giants? The Giants, to me, I did not cross them off right away. I think they're just happy to be in the playoffs. I think they're just happy. We kind of got what? that. Nobody's just happy to be in the playoffs. That's what Kerber said yesterday. He was happy that they're in the playoffs. Yeah, I, he I just, said it. Well, he's a Giants fan. The Seahawks, I crossed them off, but we also got a text. What about the Seahawks? That's another team. I know they're playing the 49ers. It's going to be a tough first matchup. But I feel like Pete Carroll can galvanize that group. If there were to be a team to make a run and upset, I, I could totally see the Seahawks being that team. I think tomorrow is going to be a little bit closer than people think mm-hmm. between the Seahawks and the 49ers. My problem with Seattle is that their best their best games are all in the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. They did not play well in the second half. No. In fact, they haven't played well in over a month. They haven't played well since they left Germany. Very they true. They went there, they stunk, and they haven't been the same They haven't since. recovered, right. Carolina went up there and took it to them. That Rams game could have went either way at the end. Both Rams games could have went either way. Uh, against Seattle, yeah, they just haven't played well. Do they have the elements? Yeah, I, I like I like Kenneth Walker. I think I think he he's one of the keys to tomorrow. Lockett, Metcalf on the outside. Geno Smith should win Comeback Player of the Year. But they haven't been able to run the ball. The defense has been shredded. I I just don't. It's a bad matchup for him tomorrow. I think that there's anything that we've learned from Tattoo Mo is that if you just get in, anything, anything can happen. Can happen. Man, That's right, so Marsh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wish you all the more accountable, but no, well said. Mm-hmm. What do the Blues struggle? Well, why? Why do the Blues struggle to have that consistent ozone time? Grab your notebook. Jamie's going to tell you. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I think, you know, we had some chances, but not enough, not enough zone time. You know, they checked well. They didn't give us really a whole lot of time, but uh, I didn't feel like we had enough support, too much one-on-one. Blues head coach Craig Ruby following last night's 4-1 loss to the Flames. It's 3:02 in the fast lane. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalzer. So why do the Blues continue to struggle for consistency in the offensive zone, as it continued to go back to that that just that puck management aspect of the game, Jamie. I mean, you've you've kind of talked about this a lot over the last couple of months. Yeah, um, it is a puck management thing, and it's also Craig Burby's talked about it. Too many one on ones. Like the NHL is a tough league, especially offensively, where you got a lot of guys who play very solid defensively one on one, and and you can't just do that day in and day out. Like, the only guys, well, there's a handful of guys, like four in the NHL, that can consistently go one-on-one and they're a threat. You know, Connor McDavid, uh, probably Mitch Marner, Leon Dreisaitl, probably Nathan McKinnon, as much as we hate to admit that, and maybe Austin Matthews at at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, those are the guys that consistently one-on-one, they're a nightmare to play against. If you're not one of those guys, you need teammates. You need, uh, you need game concepts that help you create offense. And I'm not saying that Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and, and Pavel Buchnevich should be, you know, cycling the puck, dumping it in, getting in hard on the forecheck, which all things they still can do as dynamic players. But I do think that they could spend less time trying to beat guys one-on-one or one-on-two. Sometimes, sometimes one-on-three, and they're trying to squeeze pucks through areas and Look, they're very talented individuals, and 
you know, one out of five times it might work. The problem is in tight games, you can't have the one in five odds. You've got to you know, increase your odds of retaining puck possession and keeping the puck. So I, I look at it as, you know, making the play that helps move the needle offensively. And all that means is keeping possession of the puck. If you're trying to pull the puck through someone's legs five times in a game and it works once, then that's not the odds I want. If right. you have a, if you have an opportunity to chip it past a guy and your teammate picks it up and you keep control and you get a shot on net, I like those better. So I think that there's a balance to be had in some of the thought process. And uh, youngster Jake Neighbors, who, by the way, he you know, he impresses us all the time with the way he talks about the game and his maturity level. We had him on the fast lane, and, and we were blown away at how great he was at describing things. Well, he was asked uh, last night following the game about no offensive zone time, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, I think it's uh, a product of the forecheck. I think a lot of the time when you're creating a lot of ozone, you're turning over pucks and, and on the forecheck and, um, you know, moving pucks a little high, getting things to the net. And, um, you know, we, we couldn't get a lot to the net tonight, I thought, from the blue line. And, you know, their forwards are doing a good job getting in lanes. And, um, you know, their D did a good job boxing us forwards out. So, uh, you know, I think offensive zone is obviously something we've talked about as a team the last couple of days here, and we'll continue to build on it. So you mentioned the forecheck. And I just said two seconds ago, or a number of seconds ago, that you know, forechecking for Thomas and Kyrou and Boucher, you don't have to be big on the forecheck. What I mean by that is they don't have to go in and bury somebody physically because that's what Blues fans think, and most hockey fans in general think you're heavy on the forecheck means you're just burying bodies out there. Yeah. You don't have to be. If you get in hard on the forecheck, stick on puck, and you got the next guy there waiting to take away the puck as well, you don't have to be super physical. But you do have to get in on the puck and pressure the puck properly. The one-on-one battles, what happens is it kills momentum. So if you get a guy like Kairou, just an example, or player X, Y, or Z, it doesn't matter. They get across the blue line, and they slow up. And we see it happen all the time. I call it water skiing. They just plant the feet, and then the hands start going like crazy. Well, then if they don't beat a guy one-on-one and they turn the puck over, the other team's headed the other way, and you have absolutely no speed, no momentum. You have nothing. You have to jam on the brakes and try to get back and play defense. Instead of coming up to the blue line and slowing right down where you're trying to beat a guy one-on-one or one-on-two, just put the puck in. Think of the speed that Booch, Thomas, and Kairou have. If we isolate them, if we want to go to the next line, let's do it. Let's look at Shen, Saad, Barbashev. Those guys have plenty of speed to get in there on the four-check, too. So it's not isolated to just your dynamic hockey players. But what they can do is they can make their job easier by playing simpler. And it doesn't always have to be the path of most resistance to get the biggest reward. And I think that that's what sometimes the maturation process for these young guys is realizing that not every play has to go through five guys. Every now and then you can just move the puck ahead, go get it, or cycle the puck, get a shot on net, drive the front of the net, Get it in, get in on the forecheck. So for me, that's the biggest thing right now when I look at the Blues and I look at their struggle for consistent offensive zone time is because they're slowing down so much and then not getting the puck deep or the last resort is getting the puck deep. And you can always tell when this happens because a player will get inside the offensive zone and he'll do three, two or three things and then there's nothing available, nothing left to do, and they just... Bleh. He's throw it down the wall. And then the goalie gets out and stops it, and the defenseman gets it, and the other team just breaks out. So that's a panic 
forecheck, panic, dump and chase. Those are those are not productive most of the time because it's out of necessity, out of panic that you're doing it. You have nothing left to do, so nobody knows that you're going to dump the puck in. You can't be predictable, and then your teammates know to get in there on the forecheck because they have no idea what you're going to do, so you don't have any any sustained pressure. It's a turnover, basically is what it is. It's a breakout play for the opposition. And so that's where I think there's got to be some play recognition when it comes to how they're going to create offensive zone time. I want to go to back. I want to go back to that that point you made about the forecheck and maybe fans expecting what we saw in playoff hockey in 2019, where you're just absolutely banging bodies as you're flying in on the forecheck. I think one thing that I would like to see more of is, for example, what Jake Neighbors did against Mark Giordano, not giving him time and space, cutting cutting him off behind yeah. the net and creating offense from that, that's not necessarily being overly physical, but it's getting to the point where you're you're giving uh, you're not giving the the, de- the defense any time and space to make a play. You're making them turn pucks over. Yeah, and on that play Jake Neighbors made, that's textbook forecheck. It's textbook. You want to try and eliminate the back of the net. Why do you do that? Well, because if the defenseman can get to the back of the net and to the other side of the ice, the entire ice surface becomes available to him. If you cut off the back of the net, getting in front of them, they have to go back up the strong side where all the traffic is. And that's usually where you have your first guy forechecking, your second guy right there, and your third guy, and your strong side defenseman all in the way. So the goal there is to create the turnover or make the defenseman turn it over somewhere in the process. But when Jake Neighbors made that play, it was great to see him finish the hit. So if we're looking back, instead of expecting Cairo and Thomas and Booch to get in there and do that, you can still end up with the same result by taking away the angle and getting stick on puck and creating a turnover. You don't have to shoulder a guy through the glass. And I'm letting these guys off the hook right now a little bit because I do realize that there are different, there, there are different types and styles of players. But it doesn't mean you have to play a different style of game. How you execute that style of game might be different than what it looks like from Achari or Braden Shen, but the actual, the task at hand doesn't have to be different. So, I, you know, to that point, Thomas and Kyra and Booch, all those guys, and any other guy, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, you name Ryan O'Reilly's not a physical player. He's really good down low, though. Yeah, but he's not a physical player. So right. when he gets in on the forecheck, watch him. He's, he's a lifting hound sticks. dog, lifting awesome. sticks, stick on puck, deflecting passes. And Ryan O'Reilly's not a hit first guy. So it's not about Thomas, Cairo, and Booch. It's about all these guys who mm-hmm. might be just different stylistically. They can still achieve the same goal. That's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Don't forget we got Blues Lightning pregame starting at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Should be a great one. Uh, tonight, Jamie, you've got some fun. you got a fun Blues event you're going yeah, to as well. Blues Hall of Fame dinner, first one ever at the MAC downtown. Anthony, yeah, you're stomping spot. grounds. And uh, there, I think there's a bunch of season ticket holders, 400-plus people. It's sold out really quick. Jamie's giving a 45-minute speech beforehand. Yeah, I mean, they're just going to give me alcohol and a mic. What could go wrong? <laughs> then Holly will be there, so if something goes wrong, I'll just give him the mic and make me look like no big deal. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't even remember that you talked that night. Nope. Nope. Sports Six Pack is next on 101 ESPN. If you got a question or comment for us, 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. Again, Sports Six Pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. If you guys have a question or comment for us for the Sports Six Pack, send it in now. Air Comfort Service text line is 314-399-9646. Question number one. Jamie, you've been a busy man these past few days. The 314 wants to know, how much sleep have you had in the se- in the last, uh, say, 48 hours? Uh, Let's see here. Probably about four hours. What? Four hours. Oh, okay. For those, for those that don't know, he's Jamie's had a, a pretty busy 24 hours here. <laughs> yeah, started yesterday about, well, I was up early, uh, about 6 a.m., and uh, went through the day yesterday, ended up doing a bunch of stuff with the kids and some other Synergy Hockey stuff, and then the podcast at noon yesterday, the Fast Lane, 2 to 4.15-ish, then Bally Sports, got home probably fell asleep a little bit after midnight close to 12 30 got up at 4 30 and uh did the risotto show this morning uh went and had a little um got my suit and stuff because i'd do the change uh for the blues hall of fame thing back here from two to six today and then the hall of fame dinner tonight so yeah four hours <laughs> four hours of sleep how was it how was it this morning it was you donnie riz and king, and scott. king scott right it was awesome Awesome. We had a great time, man. It was fun. Uh, that was my first time back on the Rizzuto show since the passing of Jeff. Sure. Uh, so that was a little uh, little tough, not going to lie, uh, being in there. And Riz asked me to use Jeff's mic. I was apprehensive at first. And then Donnie said, oh, smarten up. He goes, if anybody should be using that mic, Jeff would want you to be on his, on that mic. And so I said, yeah, all right. And then uh, Riz just said, well, so now don't go screw it up. <laughs> and so I don't think I did. We had fun, man. You know, yeah. you've been on the show before. It's just, uh, it's a good bunch of dudes, man. You know, Riz especially, he works, man, he works his tail off. It's amazing to see the amount of work he's, he's doing. And we have a good time. It was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Riz is the best quarterback that that I've seen, man. He just, the way that he can distribute, uh, just keep the conversation rolling and make it seem seamless. And That's make it seem thing. easy. It's yep. it, you know it's not. Uh, Jamie, you know, being being now in the industry for quite a while, he he makes it look effort, effortlessly. Uh, but the amount of work that he puts in before before the show, during the show, after the show, and and to have it come off uh, not only organically but also have fun, uh, Riz is one of the best in the business. Hey, he's a complete psychopath, but he knows I in love him. in a great way, in the yeah. greatest way. He knows I love him too. Mm-hmm. He works his tail off. So yep, lots of fun. Question number two. From the 936, how much offense will Contreras really add to the cards? They need another reliable bat, right? So that's, I think that's my biggest question, Anthony, uh, as you digest that question, is how much extra? I think that's the way the way I want to word this question to us, is how much extra offense will he contribute? Because if, if the question is how much offense, you automatically look at, his offense compared to Yachty's. And you go, boy, oh boy, that's an upgrade. Right. But then when you compare him to, I don't know, Albert Pujols last mm-hmm. year, is it that much of an upgrade? Based on the year, the season Albert had last year, and I go back to the well on this all the time, and I, I know I've been a broken record and redundant, and you just call me anything you want, 
as far as like just going back to this. But Albert Pujols was a surprise element of offense over and above and beyond what you thought he could bring to your club. How do you replace Albert Pujols? And then how do you still move the needle forward beyond that? Because if you want to say Contreras replaces Pujols, yeah. great. But you still needed another bat last year. Right. I under I understand I I understand the like that the 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 idea behind that. Hey, you only replaced Albert and Albert Albert was outstanding last year. He was. And I've tried to explain this from just my viewpoint and just just my my opinion on things and I've I've never been able to do it articulately. So I I apologize about it, but I'll I'll try one more time. The idea that Wilson Contreras is is simply replace just replacing what Albert brought to you a year ago from that standpoint you didn't improve right no you stand you You basically stood pat you stood pat we also have to assume that albert would do exactly what he did a year ago this season and we'd have to assume that wills Contreras does exactly what he did a year ago this season Mm -hmm. The variables have all changed. Now, in terms of that production, do we know that Tyler O'Neill is going to be as unavailable as he was a year ago? Do we know that a full year of Lars Newbar will be better or worse than what you got out of a half of, you know, half a year out of Lars? Will Dylan Carlson give you nothing more offensively? The other question I would have, if you want to be skeptical about this, it's not just, oh, Will Contreras only replaced Albert Pujols. You haven't gotten better. We're also assuming that Paul Goldschmidt has another MVP season. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's wise to kind of look at it that way. How I would do it is this: you look at the catcher position. Offensively, you upgraded big time. Albert Pujols was mostly your DH. Can you get solid production? Maybe not, you know, a 123 WRC plus or 151, actually. 151 R plus. Man, he had a good year. Can you can you get anywhere close to that out of Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman? Can you get solid production out of out of the DH spot? I would go I would almost go position by position and look at it. Do you have enough offensively? I don't know if Tyler O'Neill's going to improve. A lot of I don't know if Dylan Carlson's going to improve. I don't know a full year out of Lars Newbar is a good thing or a bad thing. Don't know if Jordan Walker's ready for the big league. Correct. All of the variables have changed here. Does that make sense? Anthony, I'm sick of these what ifs. Just give me the facts. I, I'm the, sick of it. The facts are there's a lot of questions. Yeah. A lot of un, unanswered questions. But with those questions that are unanswered, as much as we can be skeptical mm-hmm. of these players and what they might do as far as performances are concerned, if you want to be the other person that looks at the glass that's half full, you go, look at this team if those guys are productive. Right. Not like, oh, they're not going to be, but they're going to be. All yeah. of a sudden, things change drastically. Totally. So it's it's a big year for a lot of these guys. The better bet is that Willis Contreras will match his career numbers and Albert Pujols wasn't going to give you another no, another I, season what he did uh, did last year. I it's will, Albert all the way. Well, it was last year, but I will agree to that statement. I think Albert, as great as his season was last year, and man, was it fun. I think he emptied the tank. Right. I don't 
no. And I can't say yes or no because we'll never know. But I don't feel like that kind of a second half anyways would be achievable this year. Yes. Agreed. I don't know, but still. Question number three. From the 314, would you want Derek Carr as your team's quarterback next year, even if you have a top draft pick and could draft a quarterback? No, I would I would go for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. Now, Bryce Young, uh, I listened to Keyshawn talking about him, and maybe it was C.J. Stroud. No, I think it was Bryce Young. He's a really small guy. He's very small. That's worrisome. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Like they, the the all the uh, the NFL guys talking are like yeesh. Yep. This is why I think C.J. Stroud is going to be the first quarterback taken off the board. He's going to measure better. He's going to be taller. I, if I'm Bryce Young, I do not do anything at the combine. And I know the idea is well, then you're not showing you're not you're not being a competitor. No, let your last film let let your last look at you know uh, the college. Your last look needs to be what you did at Alabama. Now what you do at the Combine. He's not going to measure well. He's not going to measure well for height. He's not going to measure well for weight. It makes no sense for Bryce Young to do anything at the Combine. Go look at what I did at Alabama. C.J. Stroud, different story. Look what I did at Ohio State. By the way, I'm 6'2". I've got a strong arm. I can move. I would put everything on, on, on... you know, the the record there at the Combine if I'm C.J. Stroud. He's going to measure better than Bryce Young. Would you recommend for the high-caliber players coming out of college to even go to the Combine? Depends. I know, like, obviously, the the guys that are they're scratching and, and trying to get a, you know, a spot on an NFL roster, those are the guys that want to go to the Combine to show off their skills and whatnot. But I feel right. like, like you said, just let the the film do all the work like what else are you going to prove to these people if you can't improve if you can't improve yourself improve your draft stock catch one more scout that falls in love with you and is pounding the table for you on draft night then exactly marsh why you played like alabama you you want you know you you put a big time number i think he threw six touchdown passes or five touchdown passes in that bowl game look at what i did at bama well that one scout wasn't watching anthony right but to Jamie's point and what you said about Keyshawn, no, he's a small, he's a smaller guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to have certain limitations. I've talked about this. Not everybody's Drew Brees. No, there's more failures from small quarterbacks than there are successes. Yeah, he in might the NFL. have. He might have to. He might have to play in a Jalen Hurts esque offense, a Lincoln Riley esque offense. Can that succeed in the NFL? Well, this past year proved that. I would still take Jalen Hurts or Jalen Hurts. I would still take uh, Bryce Young in the top ten. I would still take C.J. Stroud in the top ten. Derek Carr, I think you know what it is. What he is, I think Derek Carr fits for a specific team. Like, like if I'm the Jets, Derek Carr interests me. If I'm the Colts, Derek Carr interests me. Panthers, Panthers, Derek Carr interests me. If I'm the Houston Texans, what the hell am I going to do with Derek Carr? They had David Carr. <laughs> bring him, br- bring his brother in, Anthony. This, that poor guy got his rear end kicked weekly. Oh, yeah. Question number four. From the 636, what is the over and under for how many playoff games will come down to a last-minute field goal for the win? What do you guys think? 
One like a one possession game this one weekend. One possession game. You know, I was looking at I was looking at things from last year. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick because I thought it was interesting in terms of how the wild card weekend played and how the rest of the playoffs played out. Let me see if I can find this. Uh, yeah, here you go. So the wild card round last last season, two one score games. The rest of the playoffs had seven one-score games. So the wild card round a year ago wasn't good. There's, there was a fair amount of blowouts. Only had two, two of the six games were close. The rest of the playoffs were fantastic. You had seven at that point. So based on last year, we, we'll, probably, we'll probably only get two one-score games or so. The rest, the rest might be blowouts. That's for the wild card round? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I expect the jar- the uh, Chargers and Jaguars to be close. Giants and Vikings are going to be close. Actually, you know what? I think we'll get three close games. Dolphins and Bucks, or um, what? Bucks and Cowboys will be close. Dolphins and the Bills. Dolphins and Bills are going to be a massacre. I, like, I think the Bengals win by ten plus. I think the 49ers win about win by about ten. I could see that. I could easily see that. All right, that's your Sports Six back in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. So Stephen A. Smith made an interesting point about uh, a a team that it just just kind of the landscape of of the NFL. That when I first heard, it, I'm like, "There's no way!" Like, what the hell is he talking about? He might be right after I think about it. I'm gonna, throw, I'm gonna throw this at Jamie too. This next one on ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With the playoffs starting tomorrow, Stephen A. Smith of ESPN made a comment, uh, I think it was two days ago, about the Chiefs and the Eagles. And when I first when I first read the, the, the headline to the video, Jamie, I'm like, what? How? What? Then I heard his explanation. Uh-oh. Here's Stephen A. Smith talking about how the Chiefs and not the Eagles have an easier path to the playoffs. What? Or an easier path to the Super Bowl, I should say. Really what you're talking about with Kansas City, even though Buffalo is in the mix, Cincinnati is that team, the reigning defending AFC champions. You got to look out for. I think the road to prosperity is more difficult in the NFC, which is why I think it's an easier path. Now, he goes on He goes on to note that with the Eagles, if you were to face the 49ers and their defense – or the Vikings and that offense, or the Giants' ability to shorten games if the Giants were able to to, to move on, uh, the the Eagles and Jalen Hurts having to win maybe a specific way, the Eagles' path is a little bit is a little bit more difficult. The Bills and the Bengals, one of those teams is going to be out. If the Chiefs, if the Chiefs, you know, let's say they they host, I don't know, the Jaguars. The Jaguars are a team that have come on hot late. Mm-hmm. The Bills and the Bengals would then play each other. One of those teams is going to be out. So we think about it. Well, geez, the Chiefs uh, are going to get past volume, Bills. They're going to piss past. They got to. They got to get past uh, the Bengals, right? But you're thinking volume at this point. And what I mean by that is amount of good teams to get past. Maybe not how good the teams are. So when you look at the Eagles, and this is just my opinion, when I look at the Eagles, 
the who the 49ers are really in theory their only tough game in theory based on their record and what they should do where the chiefs their only tough game i guess not their only but the biggest game they'll play is against the winner of Bengals and bills and i think the Bengals and bills are better teams than the 49ers so i look at that going that's a tougher path to the super bowl for the chiefs do you hear me I do. Uh, do you know? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but that will that would only be that would still only be one. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Volume, I, I get it. Correct. But wouldn't that wouldn't that be wouldn't that be harder? Wouldn't that be more difficult? Well, okay. So let's break it down then. Let's let's really dive into this. The Eagles. Who do they play? They get a bye. Yeah, both both these teams. It's, that's why the Chiefs and the Eagles are being put okay. in the same category. So then the Eagles. Who would they play next? The the lowest seed. Probably the Buccaneers. <laughs> or the Cowboys. Or the, cow- or the Cowboys. Or Who the they've Giants. struggled against. Or the yeah. Giants. I don't so, really see any of those teams in, in realistic fashion being that much of an obstacle let, for the Eagles. Let's say the, let's say the Vikings. Let's say the Vikings beat the Giants. Uh, yeah. And therefore, it's it's either the Bucks, Cow, uh, the Bucks or the Cowboys. So you either have to go through Tom Brady coming off a playoff win mm-hmm. or the Cowboys, who you've played twice already. And who know you? So would you rather play the Cowboys or Tom Brady coming off a maybe so like hey yeah, or would you rather play Joe Burrow or Josh Allen in the Bills? But the next game for the Chiefs would be like the Jaguars or Chargers. I see what you're saying. I'm looking overall at number of difficult games overall. I think that would still that would still favor the Eagles. This is this is I don't know, man. Jamie, I did the same thing you did, and then when I thought about the potential path, I think the Eagles might have a a, a more difficult road, despite the NFC to, being I'm not garbage. willing to accept it, Anthony. <laughs> Do you think it's because I did he, the same thing? I'm like, no, this guy's drunk. Do you think it's because the <laughs> NFC is? How'd you know what I was thinking? <laughs> more of like a like a crapshoot yes. at this point, where you, you there's so many things going on that you just you don't know who's going to come out of that if conference. The, if the Chiefs had to get through the Bills and the Bengals. Forget it. It's the well, Chiefs. Yeah. Right. But they only are going to have to get through one of those teams. Right. The rest are going to be either, look, Justin Herbert would be no easy draw. Trevor Lawrence would be no easy draw. But nobody expected the Jaguars to be there. And the Chargers are coached by somebody that I I don't know if he's actually trying to win. So you've, you've, you've seemingly got a little bit of an easier path there if you're the Chiefs. You're setting up for that AFC title game. Whereas the Eagles... You're probably either facing Tom Brady and all the Super Bowl wins, a Cowboys team that gave you, you know, that beat that beat you once, gave you issues with Cooper Rush the first time, before you even get to maybe a 49ers team. I get Stephen A's point. It wasn't as crazy as when I listened to his explanation, Jamie. That's my point. All right. And I think you uh you've changed your mind as well. No, I really haven't, but the more I think about it, though, I it is. The, I think you've changed your mind, I Jamie. See a and uh, bit of the that's good. You're showing growth. I think it's kind of crazy to think that the more I think about it right now, the Chiefs playing the Bengals, that sounds so much harder than Philly playing any of those other teams, though, because the based on the past with Joe Burrow just having their number. The four, you so the I know, 40, I know. I'm flipping back and forth. What about the Niners, man? 
You're going to dog on Brock Purdy? The guy literally hasn't lost an NFL game yet. <laughs> Anthony, I have him at number six. I know. I got faith in him. I'm just saying. They've won 10 in a row, Marsh. Anthony, 10 in a row. Bengals, though. It's Joe Cool. Your utter brother. disrespect for the 49ers. Bill Walsh is rolling over in his grave right now Anthony, because I'm not of you. Disrespecting your third favorite football team. Second. Mm. Now. Mm. Maybe today. Yesterday it was <laughs> Dallas. It was too. All I'm saying is, is that the Bengals, they have the Chiefs number. No, so they it's do. very tough for yes. me to decide on this one. It's gonna be interesting. It'll All be right, uh, playoffs start. It'll, It'll be, be fun. fun. Absolutely. Playoffs start tomorrow. We've got the uh, Heat and Bucks pregame starting at 11.30 tomorrow, so we get a little NBA before the Blues and Lightning. And then on Sunday, we've got your triple header. you got the Bills and Dolphins at the pregame starting at 11.30. Vikings-Giants kick off at 3.30, and then the Bengals and Ravens kick off at 7.15. Uh, Lamar Jackson unlikely to play, so it'll be the Tyler Huntley show for Baltimore. <laughs> Good luck. It's Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Jack Flaherty, he he avoided, he was one of several players that avoided arbitration with the Cardinals. What are we going to see out of Jack Flaherty this year? I didn't hear starts, so that's probably not a good thing. Whoa. You guys didn't say starts. I think we're going to so. get his best year. You do? Yeah. I like your optimism. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> Seems very confident in that opinion. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Jack Flaherty and the Cardinals avoided arbitration earlier today with a one-year $5.4 million contract. I feel like, Jamie, anytime we start talking about Jack Flaherty... He doesn't want to be here anyway. There's this, uh, there's this anger. That one, kind of? Yeah, that one. <laughs> he, he doesn't pitch. Why are you, you know, he's not an ace anymore. He never was. Or Like, there's always this... I feel like it's this just this, this black and white, there's no gray with Flaherty. I think... I think it's, well, for s- several reasons. And I think it's because of the the talent that he possesses, mm-hmm. how good he was that one season, especially the back half of that season where he was pitching grease BBs out mm-hmm. there. And since that point, unfortunately, he's been vocal about, you know, the process of arbitration and free agency, never never clearly saying he didn't want to be a Cardinal. He just saying that he was going to um, utilize the options available to him provided by the CBA. Right. And then, of course, injuries hit, and then performance, and so it's been, it's been boiling, for quite some time now. Sure, I I understand the frustrations for for Cardinals fans, but you're not going to trade this guy for pennies on the dollar. Like that was never going to that, that was never going to be the reality. To just get rid of him is quite frankly it's just it, it's just not good business. Oh, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. Imagine having an asset. And just giving it away for nothing. I highly doubt any successful company just decided to do, wake up one day and say, you know, we got some assets, give them away. He's going to leave anyways, Anthony. He's going to walk. You can end up getting nothing for him anyways. Fine. Okay. I, I'm just. You're just being the text line. Being the text line right now. Oh, go to Detroit. Fine, go to Detroit. I'm 
think he'll do that. I don't think he'll do that either. <laughs> now, the conversation about whether or not anyone should be banking on Jack Flaherty to be highly effective, that's a different that's a different conversation. I wouldn't be banking on him resembling what he did in that second half that you talked about, Jamie. That was several years ago now. Well, and it was, um, it was like historic. You can't bank on that. You can't bank on that because you haven't seen that in multiple years. Mm-hmm. I also understand that the from you know from the Cardinal standpoint that they're that they're not just going to say, ah, you know what, fine, um, well let's just trade him for nothing. He's got to be durable. He's got he's got to be healthy. If he's healthy, we'll see. Again, would I have signed Carlos Rodon? Yes, I have no idea. If Rodon was interested in St. Louis, I have no idea if Jacob deGrom was interested in St. Louis. I have no idea if Justin Verlander was interested in St. Louis. Assuming they weren't, what were your other options this offseason? Well, not a lot. Recycles. Exactly. Does Chris Bassett do it for for anybody? Not for the price. No. Any other free agent not named Justin Verlander, deGrom, or Carlos Rodon? Did anybody else? Maybe I'm missing something on this. I'm trying to remember myself right now. Those were the guys. I mean, you you circled Rodon as a Cardinals fan for sure, and I don't know if John Moselock kicked tires or attempted to sign him. We don't know. Rumor has it they did, but we don't know. But, yeah, that's, that's your pool of difference makers. Right. Guys, both can be true. I can view, I can look at this rotation and say that's not going to win a World Series, and also look at what was available realistically and realize they're probably better off rolling the dice with Flaherty as opposed to giving sixty three million dollars to Chris Bassett. I don't know how much more improved you are with Chris Bassett, but again, both can be true. Mm-hmm. Like, what question are you asking us? Is the if the question is is the rotation good enough to win a World Series? No. Period. End of story. We get a good text here. Go for it, Anthony. New text line, by the way, is three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six from the three one four. I think there's also some Jack Flaherty fatigue. Every year we hear about how the cards aren't going after an ace but are depending on him coming back strong, and then there's another injury. What do you think of that? There's some fatigue of hoping and praying and you know, waiting sure. for Jack Flaherty to do great things. Okay, so let's, let's unpack that then. Mm-hmm. As far as the fatigue is concerned, if that, that probably, that fatigue is coming from us in the media. I would much rather talk about Jacob deGrom or name your favorite free agent starter from the last couple of years. I would rather talk about them than talk about what you may or may not get out of Jack Flaherty. I'm with you on that. We can only talk about who's on the damn roster. Do we explore Carlos Rodon? Us here in the fast lane talked about what he – yeah. We kicked the tires, Anthony. We kicked the tires on that conversation. I don't know what the Cardinals did. Maybe they walked by the store and saw the tires in the glass case. They said they're too expensive. We're out of here. I don't know. We can only talk about what, what's on the roster. I wish the Cardinals gave up one of their outfielders four or five years ago for Zach Wheeler. I said it at the time. 
And everybody said, well, he's a free agent after the end of the year. Great, resign him. I would have gone that route. Unfortunately, Jamie, and actually, fortunately for Cardinals fans, I'm not in charge. <laughs> then who would hold you accountable? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got a text from the 636. Was really, really hoping Ranthony would show up today. Feel like we are in range. I mean, you're getting there. <laughs> We're getting close. You're it's getting close. Simmer. You're getting close. I think you're calculated today, Anthony. Uh, we're fatigued. I get it. I understand. I mean, I, I understand the text. Who else? Would, who would you have signed this 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 off season? I don't think there's an answer to that except for the exactly. ones we've provided. Exactly. Both are true. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens, Jamie? Well, we get one. Go one for here it. says Quintana. I would have made sure I retained Quintana. Okay. All right. So let's put Quintana in, and Jack, let's take Jack Flaherty out. Yeah. Let's do that. I don't know if you're that much farther ahead. There you go. Why, why do we got to take Jack Flaherty out? Because that's the seemingly that's the one that people get upset about. Flaherty. Okay, yeah. so let's let's take Jack Flaherty out. Well, who else would you take out then? Nobody. If you if you put Quintana back in this rotation, it's Flaherty. Is it automatic that's Flaherty for you? Wayno's back. Miles Michaelis is coming off a, an excellent season. Mm-hmm. Steven Matz, he signed to a four-year, forty-four million dollar contract. I yeah. don't, I don't think you, you're moving him to the pen. Well, and you don't really know what you have there because he was injured, and he did, he did have some good moments of sure. pitching, but it was very limited. And so. Montgomery, you're not moving to the pen, so it'd be Flaherty, right? So let's just again, let's. What just, are we doing with him? We trading him, or we we're, we're sending him to the pen? Let's say he's a bullpen piece now. Okay. Well, you got to bank on, and unfortunately, we have to assume that one of these pitchers are not going to make the full 162 healthy. Sure. So let's, so again. That's probably Jack Flaherty. Again. Oh, Quintana, though. <laughs> Jamie. Quintana's the one, Quintana's the one that, that, that's you brought goofball. up a lot. I would have re-signed Quintana. We see, we see that a lot. We, okay. So yeah. put Quintana now in the starting rotation. The, my answer is still the same. Are you winning a World Series with that rotation? No. So, like, we, you know, we have to deal in reality here. And I think some people feel as though it's like, well, you're letting Mo off the hook. I don't know how many times I could say I would have signed Carlos Rodon. I would have traded. I think the Mets wanted one of, like, Harrison Bader and Tyler O'Neill for Zach Greinke. Or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Zach Wheeler. I would have made that deal. An heartbeat. Harrison Bader went for Jordan Montgomery. I would have definitely done a, a Harrison Bader for Zach Wheeler. Maybe I have an opportunity to resign him. Then he's your ace. I don't know how many times I can say that. Not enough, apparently, because you're not holding them accountable. You're fatigued on, on the Flaherty talk. I get it. Maybe it's just this final year. Rotation ain't good enough, man. You look, you look at all the other teams. In the National League, the contenders, I should say, not not every other team, the contenders. And you want us, Jamie and I and Marsh, to say they're not good enough. You got it. They're not good enough. Hold Mo account. Okay. How? Anthony, they want you to go back to school. They want you to get a business degree. They want you to work your way up in upper management. You don't want that. For the next 18 years while your Falcons also climb their way up into the NFL standings. Now, why did you, you – I mean, this is a baseball conversation. This is a baseball conversation. You'll you make those decisions. Why? Why, Marsh? with the Falcons. <laughs> why would you – Wow. You haven't hit on it yet today. Wow. I feel like we have. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, we got the gauntlet coming up next on 101 ESPN.
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Time for the gauntlet. We got Nick. What's up, Nick? Oh, not a whole lot. How you guys doing? We're doing great. So, Nick, new gauntlet rules here. You get to choose the opponent, but the wheel will choose the category. Make sense? Sure does. Okay, so would you like to take on Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, or myself? And again, you don't know what the category is going to be. Right. I mean, I was thinking Jamie at first because of the whole lack of sleep thing, but I feel like the adrenaline's going to take him through. So I think I'm going to go with you, Anthony. Oh! <sighs> Antoine. Okay. All I right, had, Anthony. I had one baseball and one hockey so far. <laughs> Come on, football! To the cone of silence, Anthony. Anthony beat it. Get oh, out of here. Get out oh, of here. What? You don't get to know, remember? I don't get to know? Nope. Not till you come back. Good luck, Nick. Thanks. All right, Anthony uh, unplugging his ears. He's heading into the cone of silence. Mike Ryder, get some Allison Chains going for him. I'm sure he'll like to enjoy listening to that. All right, Nick, uh, as we do here now, we'll count you down. We'll go one, two, three, and then you say spin the wheel, Marshy. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, one, two, three. Spin that wheel, Marshy. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, hockey. You've got Anthony in hockey. Let's go. He's going to absolutely be so pissed on a Friday. Oh, my. All oh, right, Nick. Take him down. Make him more mad. There you go. Okay, so if uh, someone's listening for the first time, there's four questions. Category will be hockey. If you answer the question correctly without using the options, you get two points. If you use the options, answer correctly, you get one point. And if you answer incorrectly, Marshy, what do they get? Zero. Zero, and we may laugh at you. If you're tied after four questions, the breaker closest to the pin in the tiebreaker, and we will get a winner here today in the gauntlet. Nick, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, again, the category is hockey. Last season, the Blues scored eight goals in a game one time. Against which team did the Blues score those eight goals? Oh, um, like it was the Devils. Was that only seven goals? I don't think we'd be anybody in the Western Conference by that many. Or with Anaheim, maybe. You know what? My first instinct was New Jersey, so I'm going to go with New Jersey. Final answer? Final answer. All right, thank you. Question number two. Which player holds the record for most power play goals in NHL history? Man, Obi's got a ton from that spot over there. Let's see. Uh, Give me the options on this one. Your options are Alex Ovechkin, Brett Hall, or Mario Lemieux. 
feel like Mario. I feel like he wouldn't be it. Hall or Ovechkin. Ovechkin's got 800. I'm going to go Ovechkin. I just stuck with my gut initially, but I'm going to go with Obi. Final answer? Final answer. All right. Question three. Who has the only Blues hat trick so far this season? Jordan Cairo. Final answer? Final answer. Last question for you, Nick. The first game in Blues history back in 1967 finished in a 2-2 tie against which team? Oh, gee, that's a little bit before I was born. <laughs> uh, give me the options. Your options are the Atlanta Flames, the Minnesota North Stars, or the Oakland Seals. Minnesota North Stars. Final answer? Final answer. All right, let's bring right. Anthony back in. He's going to be excited. I can't wait to see how excited Anthony is. You know what we're not going to tell him, Marshy? Let's just ask him the first question. Let's we'll just go to the first question. This will really ruin his day. If he ever gets in here. Oh, now he's doubling back again. Stalter! Anthony, he let's scared. go! We're sitting here waiting. What's your problem? Well, you right now in your slow feet. Anthony was too busy packing his lunch. <laughs> Apparently, he's got it strapped to his feet. All right, what football questions do we have today? Oh, Anthony, I'll tell you this much. Pack a lunch. Okay. All right. Question one. Last season, the Blues... No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Question one. I got talky twice? <laughs> Last season, the Blues scored eight goals in a game one time. Against which team did they score those eight goals? Ah. Eight goals. I don't know. Can I have the options, please? (laughs) Yes, you can. Was it the Columbus Blue Jackets, the San Jose Sharks, or the Nashville Predators? Uh... Blue Jackets, Sharks, Predators. I'll go with the... I'll go with the Blue Jackets. Final answer? Sure. Anthony, question number two. Which player holds the record for most power play goals in NHL history? Can I have the options, please? (laughs) Your options are Alex Ovechkin, Brett Hull, or uh, Mario Lemieux. Alex Ovechkin, final answer. Question three. Who has the only Blues hat trick so far this season? Jordan Kyrou, final answer. Last question, Anthony. The first game in Blues history back in 1967 finished in a 2-2 tie against which team? (laughs) Um... Well, let's narrow it down. Can I have the options, please? Your options are the Atlanta Flames, the Minnesota North Stars, or the Oakland Seals. North Stars. Final answer. All right, let's go over these. Question one. Last season, the Blues scored eight goals in a game one time. Against which team did they do so? Nick, without the options... 
said the Devils. Anthony, with the options, you said the Blue Jackets. The answer is? It's the Predators. Ah, it was those nasty Nashville Predators. Let's see here. 0-0 zero, zero after one. I believe Callie Rosen scored that game. Probably Along with the uh, rest of the other team. <laughs> players <laughs> of the team. Most of the team scored that didn't day. didn't score yep. that day. Okay, next question. Which player holds the record for the most power play goals in NHL history? Nick, you took the options and said Ovi. Anthony took the options and said Ovi. Brett Hull was an option. It's the Blues Hall of Fame weekend. Brett Hull being inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. The answer is? Not Brett Hull. It's Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> <laughs> you each get one point for that. Let's move on here. Question four. The first game in Blues history back in 1967 finished in a 2-2 tie against which team? Nick, with the options, you said the North Stars. Anthony, with the options, you said the North Stars. The answer is? Well, it's not Anthony's two favorite teams growing up from Atlanta and the Bay Area. It's the Minnesota North Stars. All right, Minnesota Nick. North Stars. So we're looking at 2-2 two, two, heading into the final question. Who has the only Blues hat trick so far this season? Nick, he said Jordan Kyra. <laughs> Anthony, you said Jordan Kyra. The answer is... Jordan Cairo! But... Neither of you needed the options. We got to walk off. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so Unreal. How this is going to work, Nick, is we're going to ask a tiebreaker question. You don't answer, Nick. Anthony's going to write down his answer as fast as he possibly can. And then we'll ask you for your answer, Nick. And then closest to the pin will win here today in the gauntlet. You understand that, Nick? Yep. All right. So... Anthony, are you ready? No. Okay. Anthony, are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Tiebreaker question. He's so sad right now. He's terrible. <laughs> Tiebreaker question. How many power play goals <laughs> I knew this was be has Alex Ovechkin scored in his oh, career? I have no idea. Here you go. There you go. All right. Anthony has his in. This could be Nick. way too many or way too... I have no idea. <laughs> Your answer, Nick. Oh, goodness. All right, uh, got 800 bucks. Uh, give me, uh, 247. We got a winner. Nick? You have chosen poorly. You lose! <laughs> Anthony got you! Nick, you said 247. Anthony, what did you say? 300. 300. The answer is 290. Four. Oh, 294. Uh, I didn't even think. Anthony. That's probably the way I should do most things now. <laughs> Anthony disgustingly <laughs> wrote 300. I really, I really did. So messy. Oh, no. So angry. <laughs> and, and he missed by six. Number 300. There it is. Nick, close one, man. You did a great job. Thanks for playing. Thanks, guys. I'll get you again next time. All, All right, right, man. Nick, Have a great thanks. weekend, my friend. Thanks for playing. You too. All right. Thanks, guys. That's the gauntlet here Anthony, on 101 ESPN. You got to win hockey, buddy. I did. And you were such a bad attitude coming I in really about it, was. Too. Yeah, yeah. If I had feelings, I would feel bad about it, but I don't at all. What were your actual feelings when the very first question you heard blues? 
Um, like I know you're. I upset. was excited, super excited about it. I was. No, you weren't. I was a little surprised that the damn wheel rolled uh, or spun hockey again. That's three in a row it's now. Three in a row. Someone texted in saying, "Do you guys have any other categories other than hockey?" We do. Yeah, we do. it's, it's but the not wheel, our fault. The wheel says, "Go blank yourself, San Diego." Pretty much, yeah. Wow. I think that might actually be an option on the wheel. I think so. Just yeah, go, go blank, blank yourself. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's where we just uh, we we take this segment off and we just think about our lives. That's yeah. that's what that category I don't know if is. I want to do that. That's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Andrew Marshall, <laughs> Anthony Stalter. How does technology affect players and coaches? Speaking of the NHL, we saw a certain coach, rather polarizing, say. No more tablets for you, players. How much sense does that make? I feel like we've got, we're going to have people that are going to be split on this. How are they going to check their Snapchat? It's a great question. We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I don't give a fine how I'm perceived. I really don't because it is a, it's my job to coach the team. And if I'm, if I'm in the business to try to make everybody happy and, and be perceived as whatever you want to perceive, I, I don't know. That's a tough way to live. I really don't pay too much attention to it. And I'm saying that respectfully. You have a right to make a judgment. Everybody does. But how much I pay attention to it is very little. And, uh, because I'm I'm kind of locked in what I think is best for the team, and I have to make those calls. Now, if my boss feels uh, I'm not making the right calls, that's when you lose your job. But that that's uh, I owe my whole process of thinking to the players, and I think this is the right thing for our group. That's Flyers head coach John Tortorella, who is no stranger to rubbing people the wrong way, whether it's the media, Oof. whether it's his players, whether it's opponents. Whether it's former bosses, John Tortorella, as he noted, he don't give a flying bleep. Nope. Uh, John Tortorella has decided that he doesn't want his players to uh, have iPads on the bench anymore. Uh, He says, we took the video on the bench, off the bench, because we want them to just worry about their next shift. I think it's a major problem with us, understanding momentums of the game. You can't understand momentums of the game if you're looking at the iPad all the time. We took them off and aren't even going to use them so so that they watch the game and see what's next. That philosophy, Jamie, I don't disagree with. I, in fact, when he's talking about understanding momentums of the game and just kind of watching it, I, I I get that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. Where I think John Tortorella misses the boat here is not communicating with his players or having an understanding or the awareness of what is actually going to make his players better. There seems to be this, you know, as as, as a parent, I, I, I can get frustrated with this too. It's like, ah, you're not listening to me. So I'm just going to go so far off the top. I'm going to take your toys away and throw them away because mm-hmm. you're not picking them up. Is that helping them, or is it just allowing me to vent some frustrations here? I feel like this is where we're heading toward Tortorella. And I know you have another example of this based on the Flyers' all-star game uh, representative Mm -hmm. and what Tort said about him. 
Yeah, so if we dive into this completely, and before I get to the other points, I, I do want to go back to this iPad and technology and thought process. So here's what John Tortorella is battling, is he's been fired the last couple of times because he's been considered to be a dinosaur. The old school thinking, can he adjust, can he adapt to the new school of coaching and playing? Can he relate to the younger players? Can he communicate with the young players? This doesn't help him. It doesn't help him. I understand what he's saying. John Tortorella and I came into the NHL about the same time. He was in the minors coaching in Rochester at the time. Uh, obviously, I was playing in Worcester. And then in the next couple of years, we both made our NHL debut slash careers at the beginning of them. So I know where he's coming from. The problem he, he's got with this is that the technology has been a tool for all of his players. Almost all of his players. So whether it's junior, college, the minors, they're all using technology. And it's a very, the, the new age player is all about information, immediate information. Think of everything in life right now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, Google, all that. It's instant information provided to these young adults and individuals. So they're looking to get instant information about the shift that just happened, what just happened, trying to get better. I made a mistake. I made a good play. What did I do? What happened? What are they doing? Tortorella's like, never mind that. That's in the past. Focus on your next shift. Where he needs to have a happy medium on this is saying, hey, come back to the bench. Tell the coaches. Mark that play. We used to do that even when it was VHS tapes. You'd have Jimmy Roberts... Tell Jamie Compon, who was our video guy way back when, mark the tape. And at the time, he just marked the number down on the counter because how it's outworked. So you could go in the intermission and take a look at some of these things. So I see how this is problematic because the young players are like, what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. this is our this is our technology. This is how we do it. And Travis Konechny, who is their number one scorer, uh, who is now anyways, and he's like... Uh, He's chirping me. He goes, I don't care. I'm watching him. I, I don't care. That's that's the player. That's the player that. saying, yeah. I don't care that's what Tortorella good. thinks because this is the way I do things. Mm -hmm. I look at everything. So if this was an isolated incident, you'd be like, okay, you know, maybe it's just not being communicated properly. The problem with John Tortorella is he goes over the top sometimes. And I'm, we're just isolating him. This could be any coach that's been an older coach in modern day times uh kevin hayes who was their top scorer at the time uh, of the all-star game selection his brother jimmy died about a year ago i think it was maybe a year and a half ago um, it was an overdose it was a sad story and the one thing his brother always wanted kevin to do was play in the nhl all-star game one day you're going to be an all-star so he's an all-star he gets picked for the all-star game by the nhl which is great except for John Tortorella had already just made Kevin Hayes a healthy scratch. His top score, he made him a healthy scratch, trying to send a message. Mm -hmm. Okay, coach's decision, that's fine. He has the option. But then he follows it up with this comment after hearing about the All-Star game. Oh, I don't worry about that ish, Tortorella said. That whole game, the whole weekend, I don't even watch it. So if you're Kevin Hayes... And this is a massive moment for you to make the All-Star game. Your coach has healthy scratched you recently. Now your coach is in the media saying that he doesn't I don't even watch it. I don't care about the All-Star game. You take it kind of personally yeah. at that point. I think this is where the connection gets lost. And then now 
On top of that, now you add the the iPad incident, we'll call it, to where he says, you know, I don't give a bleep how I'm perceived. This is how we're doing it. There's a communication gap here. And I think that a lot of coaches in the modern day era who are old school mentality have this obstacle. Yeah. When when Craig Berube took over, Jamie, I feel like he struck an unbelievable balance between this is how it's this is how it's done, this is how we're gonna do things, and also getting the most out of that player because that player felt like they were part of something bigger. It's not a you know, we we've heard from enough coaches that the current athlete is not do this or I'll you know you're caught. Mm-hmm. It does, you don't get the most out of the modern day no, because the modern day player goes, well, why? Yeah, why? Why am I doing that? I'll, I I remember when Shelly Duncan was with Chris and I one time, and he said that John Mad John Madden Joe Madden, the manager at the time with the Rays, he played for him with the Rays. Madden had just a uh, an unbelievable way of going over a drill. We're going to do this drill. Here's how this is going to make you a better player. Mm-hmm. So the explanation was there. And Madden had a way to connect to players in a way that they they now feel invested in more than just themselves. So that when the time came for Madden to sit them sit them down or pull them out of a game or whatever, they still understood that he was doing what's best for the entire team. I felt like Barubi did that when he took over as the interim. When he moved Alexander Steen to the fourth line, there was an explanation as to this is going to make us a better team. I'm going to get the most out of you. However, he said it to Steen. Mm-hmm. And what did Steen do? Oh, he accepted it. He, accept- he thrived. Exactly. It. If players don't feel like they're a part of something bigger, how are they going to understand your message? And when you say, I don't even watch the All-Star game, you're making it about you. And I don't know how many leaders make it about themselves yeah. and are efficient and effective. In fact, leaders are the exact opposite. Jamie, you played at the highest levels. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like leaders take the blame and fade into the background when praise is coming at them. Yeah. Yeah, they're at the forefront. For They, they receive the damage when things are bad. And when things are good, they pass it on to others that they're doing a good job. They mm-hmm. praise their teammates or their players or whatever. I just look at it in a way, and and if we use Craig Berube as a measuring stick, because Chief is about as old school as they come when it comes to how he came into the NHL as a player. He always talks about a partnership. It's a partnership with the players. John Torrell is not looking at that. John Torrell is looking at it like he's the foreman on a construction site and it's just do your job or you're fired. Right. That worked in the 80s. It worked in the 90s. It doesn't work anymore because the player then is confused. So the player that gets handed off to John Tortorella or coach X, Y, and Z who act that way, that player's not used to what you're doing. They're used to the opposite. They're used to the partnership. They're used to being told the why. They're used to watching it on video and Mm -hmm. then doing drills to complement said video or skills or whatever it is. So when they get to you, there's an automatic communication block because they don't understand your language and then you don't understand their language. So there's an impasse. And that's what you're having right now in Philly 
with Tortorella and some of the old school coaches around the league. There's an impasse there. Right. This is where Craig Berube, in my opinion, thrives. Is there? He still has that "I'm the boss, you're not" mentality. Right. However, I'll tell you why I'm the boss and why my expectations are these things, and I'll tell you how you can improve and how you can change and what you're doing right and why we're doing this at the same time. So he doesn't lose his alpha male status. Right. He actually solidifies it by being fair and by explaining to the players why they're doing things or what the expectations are. John Totorella is going to have to change his tune very quickly. I can tell you that right now. The Flyers team's not having a great year, and he was supposed to go in there and be a totally different person. He hasn't been. He's losing the locker room slowly and is picking up speed. Like a rock rolling downhill right now, John Totorella is going to have to learn to change, which, by the way, he's been told this at last couple of stops along the way. I don't think he's going to change. I think the outcome will remain the same. I think the modern-day coach has to realize it's a partnership, not a dictatorship. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. What are our expectations for Jordan Montgomery this year after he avoided arbitration with the Cardinals? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Friday then, it's Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a nice weekend for the Montgomery family. It's because Jordan just scored 10 mil in arbitration. Do you think they're celebrating that? Yeah. You think? 10 mil? Boy, I hope so. I mean, I would be, but. Who's not celebrating 10 mil? I don't know. Maybe somebody who wanted 11. Jamie, what what does your $10 million deal look like? What What do you mean? What am I doing with it? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, I've been down this road before. <laughs> End up with nothing. <laughs> Except a puddle of tears and bad decisions. <laughs> nothing but shame, embarrassment, and legal issues. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. Uh-huh. Uh, so Jordan Montgomery, yeah, they, him and uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, Cardinals hit the Cardinals and Jordan Montgomery actually avoided arbitration on a ten million dollar deal. So what what are the expectations for Jordan Montgomery? Honestly, Jamie, I I expect Jordan Montgomery to post numbers similar to his career. I feel like this is one of your steady eddies on this roster. Should be knowing you know what you're going to get out of him. You know that he's going to keep the walk rate down. He's not going to strike out the world. But he's going to have an ERA right around, you know, three seven or so, which would be excellent. And he he is somebody that's not going to get destroyed. That's what he was with the Yankees, a solid fourth starter for them. I I you know I don't think we should get hung up on whether or not he's a number three, number four. He's in that range. He's somebody where you know what you're going to get out of him. I don't expect him to start game one of a playoff for you. I also don't expect. Jordan Montgomery to, you know, have all sorts of injury issues because that hasn't been in in his career, and I don't expect them to to bottom out. I think that was a really good deal that the Cardinals made at the deadline, and I hope that the Cardinals are exploring a contract extension with Montgomery as well because you're going to need somebody outside Uh, of Steven Matz. So here's what I wonder, Anthony, is it's not that it's 
out of the realm of possibility that the Cardinals are still going to work on an extension for Jordan Montgomery, but shouldn't they? I mean, if I'm if I'm the Cardinals, I think I would have wanted to get that out of the way now, like before the arbitration, before the settlement. Like, if I'm interested in Montgomery, I'm like, okay, like let's talk turkey here. I feel like the way this has gone down, and maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. I feel like this is going to make it more difficult. I feel like Montgomery now is looking to explore free agency. Again, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, his agent, Scott Boris, who certainly um, nudges, to say the least, his clients to go to free agency. Mm-hmm. And then he puts together a great campaign for them and all that wonderful stuff and yeah. the, the, the well, names and the slogans and the whatever. Unless you're Carlos Correa, you wind up getting a pretty good deal. And even Carlos Correa, even I think Carlos he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so when I look at the, the deal overall, I, I like it. Yes. I wish it would have been an extension, not just this year. Yeah, maybe the Cardinals approached Scott Boris about a contract extension. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a long history with Scott Boris clients. And I think Matt, Matt Holiday was a Scott Boris client, or at least we know that, that Jackson – Jackson is, but either way, if the Cardinals, think are, there's a reason behind that. No, I mean it kind of goes back to what you said in that. Didn't the Cardinals avoid Boris clients? I don't know if they avoid them, but maybe they just don't have a good history of negotiating with them. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. That's yeah. why I asked the question. Maybe the Cardinals. Maybe the Cardinals ex- you know, wanted to explore a long-term deal or a, or a multi-year deal and. Both Boris and Jordan Montgomery is like, no, let's see how this goes. That's well within their rights, too. Maybe they want to go to free agency and see what they can get. Doesn't mean that they won't come right back to the Cardinals. But for now, we know that Jordan Montgomery is going to be here. Beyond this year, I think that's that's the question as it relates to the entire starting rotation. As you mentioned before, Stephen Matz is the only one that's going to be under contract beyond this year. And and after that, he's he's only got two years. And you're not viewing him as any sort of long-term project. Or you know somebody no. uh, like a franchise player. So when you look at the starting rotation, if you don't sign any more contract extensions with anybody, you're going to have four spots to fill next year. Now some of that will be some young guys. Uh, I'm assuming will you know kind of emerge and be in this starting rotation. But you're gonna you're lining up if you're the Cardinals to either add at the trade deadline. And or heading to free agency next year, looking to to sign multiple starters. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Who's available next year? Uh, let's see here, Jamie. Just off the top of the head, off your head, because I'm I'm perusing here and trying to figure that out too. But sometimes I struggle with this technology. Uh, MLB free agents for 2024 from a pitching standpoint. Let's see. I'm I'm googling it, Jamie. You're doing a really good job too. Max Scherzer, uh, Otani. Wait, Max that, Scherzer? That'd be nice. Yeah, Max Scherzer Already? will be ready. Yeah, because I think he only signed a two or three year deal, didn't he? So hmm. Scherzer, interesting, would be available. Uh, Shohei Otani. Oh yeah, that's right. Marcus Stroman, Yu Darvish, Clayton Kershaw hits the open market again. Hunjin Ryu. Charlie Morton, Martin Perez, Lance Lynn. Old yeah, buddy Lance that's a lot Lynn. of age on that list, though. It is. Eduardo Rodriguez, Kyle Hendrick, Hendricks, uh, Julio Urias of the Dodgers. Hmm. Sean Manaya must only send a one-year deal with the Giants, so he would be available. Mike Clevenger. 
Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Nola. I'm just wondering what the Lucas Giolito. I wonder what the move is for the Cardinals. I mean, you've got you've got some front line front line guys that could be available. Scherzer, Blake Snell, Sonny Gray. I mean, you're not Snell's talking about an ace. Command a lot of money. Scherzer, I don't know. I don't know what his market is because he's getting up there in age. I mean, certainly he's still a very good pitcher. Just don't know if he'll be good enough for the money he's probably going to want to get. There's start, started. There's there's plenty of starters that are available next year. It's just again, you're you're battling with other teams. The smart play heading into the trade deadline is to acquire somebody like they did with with Jordan Montgomery, who, who you know has at least one more year of Have club the, control. But it's yes. a crapshoot. Okay, I agree. But that's still not a top end starter. Probably like at not. what point do the Cardinals find a top end starter here? It's a great question. Because I don't even know if they have one in the pipeline. Based on what we're hearing, we don't really hear of anybody who's going to come up and be a dominant like top right. end starter. Rotation? Yes. So I don't know where they get that guy because eventually they're going to need him. Mm-hmm. Well, I like your idea of getting Otani, and I think they should. There you go. Finally coming around. Hey, it's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Our NFL wildcard weekend survey is next. We've got uh, questions related to this this weekend, including which QB do we have the most uh, trust in and which non-quarterback will make the biggest impact this weekend. We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's do our NFL wildcard weekend survey. By the way, we still need our biggest question of the day. This is where you get to submit any question that uh, hasn't been asked mm-hmm. at any point during the show. Just leave us a mic drop, 101 ESPN app. Ask the uh, the question and then maybe have an opportunity to have yours pulled by uh, Marsha Marsh. All right. What? You heard me. NFL wildcard survey. What's the matchup you guys are most looking forward to this weekend? Mine's Chargers and Jaguars tomorrow night. Um, Two hmm. young, good quarterbacks. And yeah. Herbert and Lawrence. I, I mean, I, yes, I'll definitely be tuned in for, for that game 100%. I, I think the game overall, I don't think there's going to be any surprise in this, is the Cowboys-Buccaneers. I think that's. I think that has the potential of being a really good game. I feel like both teams, even though the record's – you know, our Cowboys at 12 and 5, Buccaneers at 8 and 9. I do feel like it's a closer game than the records would indicate. I think it's going to be a competitive ball game. I feel like that's one where I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm happy I watched this. Marsh? Obviously, for me, it's the it's the Vikings game. But uh, looking past that, I have to agree with Jamie. I'm looking forward to that Monday night football game. Uh, maybe this is Tom Brady's last game ever. You, you know, never know. You never know. Like, So you definitely want to tune in for that. Um, and, you know... It's two big iconic franchises. Well, maybe not the Buccaneers. I mean, they're not iconic, but Tom Brady is iconic. Of Tom Brady. Exactly. That's right. mm-hmm. So, um, that's that's the matchup that I want to see, and it's all alone on that day, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. All right, boys, let's raise the stakes. What game you're looking forward to seeing? Oh, you said the uh, Jaguars. Jag, yeah, Jags. Okay, Jags. Go ahead. All right, let's raise the stakes now. 
Your life is on the line. Oh, gosh. Which QB playing this weekend do you trust most to play well and not poop their drawers? Again, your life is on the line. This one's easy. Yeah, I got one, too. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Joe Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Joe saved my life. Burrow. Yep. Okay. He's my guy. So if we took Joe Burrow. I know where you're going. No, I said Joe Burrow. I thought you were going to. Okay. Yeah, if we took. I go Herbert. Ah, no. You're all about him now. Even though you Uh, dissed him in his draft year and you're Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. And I was like, no, Justin Herbert. You never said Justin Herbert. I never did. (laughs) Sounds good, though. (laughs) I could have played it off. You wouldn't remember. I don't even remember. Uh, <laughs> I did like Zach. I did oh like Zach. Wilson. I did like Zach Wilson. Yeah. Okay. So Anthony, who's going to pull a Mark Schlereth and poop their pants on Sunday and Saturday? Like which quarterback? Yeah. Uh, well, you got to pick one who's going to do well first, don't? We? Oh, we did. Yeah, Bo- yeah. yeah, Joe Burrow. Okay. So yeah, let's let's talk about the the quarterback that's going to <clears throat> poop their drawers. I mean, it's Skylar Thompson in Miami. That's the uh, easy no, one. No, I don't though. think. No, you got to. You I feel can't. Like it's got to be the expectations. I got Gotta one be for, high, and then they yeah, poop. Then I got poop one for you. Brady. Tom Brady's wow. going to poop his drawers yeah. on Monday night. I mean, you never know. He's had a couple of poopers. Yep. Um, like, he's not going to get it done in the red zone. Going to throw an interception and lose it. One of them deals. Anthony. Yeah. You heard it's the greatest of all time. You never know. I would go with Kirk, but come well, on. That's where kind of where I was going. 330. Mm. Uh, the Giants defense and... I don't know, man. I feel like Kirk- Jamie. It's a three thirty start. It's I understand, it's, it's but it's not close. It's, it's closer close. to prime time than noon. Is. It is. <laughs> he, but that, that to me, he's going to have an average game as opposed to a poop your drawers game. I think, I think Kirk Cousin ha- he has the poop your drawers game. Wow, Marsh, right in your face with that poop. <laughs> uh, what's your? Well, who's your guy, Marsh? That's going to poop his pants. Yep. Oh man, I <laughs> I think it's Dak Prescott. I have, your Cowboys hate is. He's going to throw three, Shot, three I mean, interceptions, it's always there. Right, right for us, Jamie. Anthony. I'm okay with he's it. He's going to throw three interceptions. Actually, that's kind of a lot. He's going to throw two interceptions. I'm not saying they're going to lose this game by any means. It's going to be throws a, two picks and the Cowboys could win? Yes, because, Anthony, if you watch the Buccaneers games, Tom Brady, nice play right over the middle. Russell Gage, he's running down the field. Oh, Russell Gage fumbles the ball. How many times have we seen that? His own players... Screw him out of a good drive. Okay. It's going to continue on Monday Night Football. Which non-QB will have the biggest impact for his team this weekend? Which non-QB? Wow. There's an e- there's an easy one here. There's a there's actually there's a couple of layups. Hmm. One of the layups is tomorrow with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's a layup. He's going to have I think he's going to have an excellent game. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you look at Kyle Shanahan's track record of things, I don't think Brock Purdy's going to be asked to do too much. I think McCaffrey has a big game. The other non-QB that I think is a layup to have a you know have a big impact would be Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. I mean that that dude is love us Saquon. Unbelievable. Saquon's a good choice. Yeah, I got one that will be off the radar a little bit. Not a total shock, but off the radar a little bit. Zay Jones, wide receiver for the Jaguars. I think he's going to have a big game tomorrow night. Chargers have had issues in coverage. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a big game. I'm going to say Zay Jones. What about a defensive player? What Nick, defensive player? Nick Bosa. That's what I was looking at the 49ers right now. But what? Okay, what other defensive player could have an impact in their game? Micah Parsons, okay. Dallas. Good call. Or Diggs for Dallas is a good one. Like impact, big impact. Good call. 
Anthony, I have a uh, just a little statistic. I believe, and now you're always giving Kirk Cousins crap. No, I'm uh, not. Because of the time that he starts uh, football games. Daniel Jones, I believe this stat is correct, 2-14 starting games at 3.30 Central Time or later. That's a tough thing to overcome. So, yeah. Do you know that Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on Saturday? Really? Never. Even in college football. Even in college football. That's right. The games that he lost were on Monday. Exactly. Trevor Lawrence has never lost a game on a Saturday. Last week, the Jaguars hosted the Titans on a Saturday and won. There you go, Jamie. A little nugget for you. Yep. All right. Which co- which coach is most under the microscope this weekend? Oh, I think there's a Can couple. Can we say his name on three? I think there's a couple. Oh, but I think there's I've a got... couple. I don't think it's automatic. Oh. All right. So, Nate, so say the one. The guy. Say the one on the top of your head. Ready? Three, two, one. Brandon, Brandon Staley. Okay, so we're all Mike on the same McCarthy. Page there. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's another one. He's another one I'm looking at. I think everybody else is quite fine, to be honest. Well, Todd Bowles, my gosh. Yeah, Pete Carroll, no. Kyle Shanahan, no. no. Doug Peterson, no. Brandon Staley, absolutely 1,000% yes. Is Mike McDaniel? Like, there's so many rumblings of, like, he could be fired, yet this guy hasn't had a quarterback I think that's ridiculous. (laughs) I think that's ridiculous. But you heard those things, too. Absolutely. We read them. We heard them. Yep. How do you fire a guy who, one, his team apparently loves him, Mm -hmm. two, he's... That it's been a revolving door of quarterbacks. Sean Payton is the only reason why you'd, you'd mm-hmm. consider it. Yeah, but that seems like, my gosh. Well, it's been established they have a good ownership group, so. Oh, <laughs> boy. Wow. All right, if you could only pick one team playing this weekend to reach the Super Bowl, one team playing this weekend to reach the Super Bowl, mm. who are you going with? I think this one's kind of interesting. I think there's two teams I'm really leaning towards, and that's the Bengals and the Bills, but they'd have to play each other. Right. So that's, you know. Yeah, but that's the easier path. No, it depends on. (laughs) The Chiefs aren't in their way yet. I'm going to go with the Niners. I mean, it's not a horrible pick. Anthony, I like that pick. I like your second favorite football team. Thank you. I uh, I mean, your third favorite football team, I think. (laughs) I can get on board. Niners? Yeah, I can get on board. High five. High five. <sighs> Marsh? Marshy felt left out. Yeah, there. no, 49ers. Oh, you're two, 49ers yeah, too? Yeah, no, I, oh, like, wow. you know, I, I agree with Jamie. Uh, so none of us went Bills, none of us went Bengals because we were afraid of that second round matchup. That's yeah. what we're yeah. saying. Even though it is the easier path for the, for the Chiefs. But, now uh, we're pooping our drawers. A little bit. Makes sense. Yeah, uh, it's more of like a, not like a full one. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Just a, half, just thought, a squeaker. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was a fart at first, but sure. <laughs> you realize you had, a, you had an issue. Don't trust <laughs> the fart. All right, are we getting a look at life after '90 and '91 for the Blues? I hope not. But that might not be the reality. Talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Are we getting a look at life after 90 and 91? Some fans think that this team is better without Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, Though, Jamie, you had noted yesterday, hey, why don't we wait about 10 games? 
and see if you still feel that way. Last night didn't look as pretty as the previous previous games. 4-1 loss for the Blues. Uh, but, Jamie, the reality is both guys are not under contract beyond this year. And there could be, um, you know, there, there could be a situation where the Blues no longer have Tarasenko and O'Reilly beyond this season. So are we getting kind of a look at, at what the Blues might resemble, the team the Blues might resemble beyond, beyond those two? Uh, I mean... I guess in theory, but you'd have to imagine that if both of those guys are no longer part of this team next year, you're probably going to replace them with something. McDavid? <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. Dry settle? Mm, sure. Who else do you want to add? I mean, you know, it's longer talking. Yeah, we could trade up for Connor Bedard. There you nice. go. Right. All right. Uh, yeah. We don't Austin necessarily Matthews. have to suck hard for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, look at... Uh, Gonna have a hard time fitting under the salary cap right now, boys. Just saying. Said the kid. Um, it's too bad payroll's not going up. <laughs> like the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. So um, you'd have to imagine. Would it be good? You'd have to imagine that Doug Armstrong will um, restock the cupboard with some players. He's, he's between those two guys. That's fifteen million dollars in salary cap space. Get a pretty good player, or a couple, or two, or three. For that kind of money. Get a lot of Jamie Rivers for that kind of deal. You get an entire squad <laughs> and half your minor league team. <laughs> we got depth, boys. Yeah, we do. It's all the same player. Very one-dimensional. But... We're good, though. They work hard. They're real good in the room. Um, <laughs> all of them. All Just of them. A bunch of glue guys in yep. the locker room. Just That's leave right. them there. All right. <laughs> but, yeah, so Doug Armstrong is going to um, – yeah, he's going to retool the team if he doesn't keep one or both of those guys. Let me ask you this, Jimmy. Does does the philosophy change? How much does the philosophy change? Well, I don't think if it, so. If I mean, the, that's two individuals that you don't have right now. How much has the philosophy changed in the last five games, six games now? Uh, not much at much. all. Actually, not at all. No. I but mean, doesn't it have to to some degree? I don't think it has to. I think that your philosophy overall can be the same, and I think that you can have different expectations for certain styles of players. Okay. Like your expectations for Josh Levo aren't the same as your expectations for Jordan Cairo. Right. Yet you're asking them to play the same system, to play the same game and the same team concept. Now, one might perform uh, the system more consistently than the other, but then the other player being Cairo certainly outscores you know, whoever is playing the system to a T. And right. I think that's Craig Berube overall is he's coached. He's always coached the team – with a blanket strategy and philosophy, but then let the individuals kind of thrive within that. All right, so I know I know you have the utmost respect not only for Chief but for Doug, for Doug Armstrong as well. So the, let's just let's just remove both of both. Let's just remove that from the equation here. Let me talk to Jamie Rivers, the the GM. Oh wow, I got promoted. You got promoted. And a whole I wouldn't be signing a whole team of me then. Okay, <laughs> so we'll take that off the board too. All right. Let's say that Vladimir Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly are not retained mm-hmm. next year, okay? And yeah. then you're put then you're put in this this spot. So you've got all the free agency, but Tarasenko has moved on and O'Reilly has moved on. Mm-hmm. All right. You've got a core of Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Braden Shen, Brandon Saad. Your def- your defense is still Ooch. in order. Buchnevich is signed long term as well. Mm-hmm. So you know you you got your core. Yeah. 
What would Jay? I don't want. I don't want to know what Jamie Rivers would think that Doug Armstrong would do. What would you do in terms of building a team in a certain way based on what you have right now? Well, I think you need more scoring. I think you need more scoring, and you may have to go out and pay for Connor McDavid. No, well, no, Anthony, okay. I, you're really stretching it, man. You're really stretching it. I'd have to take a look at the list, but yeah. um, I'm I'm just talking about philosophy. Just overall, overall philosophy. I think you need scoring because Vladimir Tarasenko. He's been close to a point a, get, a point a game guy. Last year he was a point a game guy. Don't know if he'll get there this year. Certainly with the injury, it's going to be way more difficult um, to get as many points. He might average a point a game by the time this is all said and done, which is fine. But you're going to have to replace that. You're also going to have to look to replace a, a leadership figure within your locker room. I don't know if you replace that or you promote from within or you go get a leadership type guy. So yeah, there's ways to do it. I. Here's what I think. I don't think either player is irreplaceable. I think there's plenty of players right now in the NHL that will hit the open market that could fill the void for you. Now, if I could get Ryan O'Reilly to re-sign with the team for, you know, four, five million, then, yeah, I'm retaining that player. That solves a lot of my issues from an overall 200-foot player standpoint, the team culture, the leadership all of that stuff into one bucket solves my problems. Um, so I would do that. But then I think with if it's $5 million, let's just say, let's just call it $5 million, you still have like $10 million left over. You can go get a really good score in the NHL for $10 million. Now, it's not the only thing you'll need because you have some other needs you have to address. But you're hoping that Jake Neighbors takes those steps forward and he fills a bigger spot within your lineup. Um, you know, you, you don't know what Jimmy Snuggerud is or Zachary Bolduke. I think they're a couple of years off for sure. Uh, but there's ways to do it. Maybe you then retain an Ivan Barbashev. My number one priority, though, would be to I've got to boost the scoring at that point because I'm losing a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko and whoever, you, whatever your opinion is of said player, go look at his point totals per game. And he's been the guy that creates offense for you. That'll be a big void. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 510. Your time check is brought to you by Clerkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We do have Blues coverage for you tomorrow. Blues Lightning pregame starting at 6 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. The Blues Radio Network, of course, will carry that uh, that game as well. And, Jamie, you've got a fun night ahead of you with uh, with Blues fans. Yeah, Blues. Uh... And Blues alum. Blues Hall of Fame induction night tonight at the MAC downtown. It's going to be 400-plus people there. It's going to be an awesome event. So I'm looking forward to going down there, seeing a lot of fans and a lot of former teammates and Blues legends. And that will carry over into tomorrow to where they'll all be uh, officially introduced onto the ice with their new induction ceremony. You doing ballet sports tomorrow too? Yes, I'll be – uh, pre and post tomorrow for Bally Sports. Excellent. That so a lot be, of fun doing that game. That should be a fun game. Yes. For sure. I felt like a couple of years ago, was it Was it the pandemic year that I'm thinking, or was it the, the cup year where the Blues went down to Tampa and... That was the cup year. The dad's trip. And they trip. beat them. Yeah. yeah. That was a that was a great game. That was part Low of the scoring, right tight, there. absolutely. So mm-hmm. that that should be that should certainly be a fun one. All right, Jamie, you got to get out of here, right? I got to get the hell out of here. All right, so Jamie's going to head downtown. He's got uh, 
the event down at the MAC, great spot. And if you're heading down there as well, hope you enjoy it. And tell him Anthony Stalter. Tell him Stalter. Yeah, yeah, Stalter sent you. Absolutely, he'll do absolutely nothing for you. But you know, free shells. MAC, we do love. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, all right, it's a fast lane. A couple of things coming up for you. One, we still need the question of the day. We're still taking mic drops on that. We're going to do that at 5:30. So if you got a question somewhat outside the box we'll feature it in our big question of the day that's at 5 30 we need a fade or follow contestant so if you want to text in fade right now to 314-399-9646 we'll have a play for you and you'll have an opportunity to either fade or follow us unfortunately we do need a new fade or follow contestant because uh, the gentleman that, that was on with us last week he faded us on derrick henry going over and Derrick Henry absolutely went over his rushing total last week. Unfortunate, unfortunate for uh, for Colin. Yeah, so sorry, Colin. He had a good sense that uh, Derrick Henry would not go over. So we do need a new fader follow contestant. We'll do that at five forty-five. But speaking of the wild card games, we got some predictions now. Marsh and I are going to make predictions on all the wild card games next on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time for some predictions for the NFL wildcard weekend. Andrew Marsh here. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie Rivers heading down to the MAC downtown where they've got uh, a great night set up for uh, season ticket holders for the Blues that are participating in all the uh, Blues Hall of Fame night. So it's going to be a lot of fun for him. But, Marsh, there's work to be done right here on 101 ESPN. Let's do it, Anthony. All right. First game tomorrow. Third game between the Seahawks and the 49ers. Niners are laying nine and a half points. Are you going out on a limb and saying Seattle wins the game outright? I am not. Yeah, no, me either. I do think they cover, though. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than what people expect. You even said that earlier in the show. Mm -hmm. I hope it's a close game. I don't like blowouts, especially after watching Monday night's national championship game. That was so boring. I don't want to see that. I want to see close games. Uh, But I do have the 49ers winning this just because of the dynamic players they have at the skill positions i think they're going to be a little bit too much for the the seahawks this upcoming saturday so i have the 49ers moving on seahawks have allowed nearly 28 per points per game on the road this season third most in the nfl it's a stark difference between only allowing 20 points per game at home so the seahawks are allowing nearly four touchdowns on the road this year However, I, I also think that this one's going to be a little closer than, closer than people think. The weather's supposed to be uh, bad. You've got rain in the area for tomorrow. And you know what? Kyle Shanahan, he typically keeps the ball out of the air in these games. If you notice over the last couple of years when, when they played, it's not like Jimmy Garoppolo was throwing for 300-plus yards. You got Brock Purdy starting in his first NFL postseason game. He has played exceptionally well, but I think this is going to be a Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell game. I think the 49ers know that they can play good defense, and they've got an excellent defense. Play good defense, run the ball, win by 10 or so. I don't think it's going to be the blowout that everybody thinks. And 10 points, it, it may be like, wow, 10 points is double digits. But 
I just don't I don't see this game being a runaway either way this one though is expected to be a lot closer it's the Saturday night game between the Chargers and Jaguars Jaguars are a two and a half point dog Marsh what do you like in this one I, I like the Jags I I think that crowd is going to be pumped up I think a lot of people think hey you know the, the people forget the Jags have home field advantage here even though the the record doesn't show uh you know they get that thing called a, a division champion yeah they're, they're division they're champion title right? winner. Uh, I have I, I like Trevor Lawrence I like what he's been doing a lot lately I do think the Mike Williams thing is going to come back and bite the Chargers in the rear end that's just how karma works with sports and I think it, it really is going to come back and uh, it could be the downfall of Brandon Staley and who knows what they do with the head coaching position next season especially with Sean Payton out there uh, you know what he could do with with jeez um, Herbert Herbert Justin Herbert um, so yeah I, I like this matchup between uh, two quarterbacks with the best hair in the league <laughs> there you go I I like the Jaguars in this one and and a lot of it is because of the Mike Williams injury you know Marsh you had said this earlier in the year and and I I downplayed it but you were talking about you know not having Keenan Allen yeah they still had they still had Mike Mike Williams they still had uh, Gerald Everett not that Everett's some sort of game changer but he's he's a he's a good pass catcher Austin Eckler is such a dynamic player out of the backfield from up from you know in the passing game so I thought they had more than enough to just kind of stay afloat here but when it comes to the playoffs and you you could have had Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and Justin Herbert that was a game changer Mm -hmm. and now for those who don't know Mike Williams will not play tomorrow because he suffered a back injury in a meaningless week 18 game I'm with you I think this one comes back to haunt Brandon Staley Trevor Lawrence I think puts on a show tomorrow against the Chargers defense that's susceptible through the air he's got a couple of nice weapons in Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and uh their own tight end in Evan Ingram and the Jaguars defense is not great they have played better though Mm. as the season has gone on it's a home game for them you know travel situation for the Chargers so what it's not like they're flying you know on that plane from major league uh but (laughs) I still think that going coast to coast there not having one of their players and Mike Williams I think is gonna is gonna make a difference Saturday we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one Dolphins big underdogs on the road against the Bills I think the Bills win by 20 plus yeah I I like the Bills I mean what are you gonna say like they're playing against a third string quarterback I would be thoroughly shocked if the Dolphins made this game close And, and I'd be concerned if I were a Bills fan if this game is close even if you do win I'd be concerned the only way Miami keeps this one close is if they run the ball effectively they limit possessions for Josh Allen and Josh Allen struggles in the red zone like he has had all year other than that I don't see this one going off the rails for the Bills the three Josh Allen's 3-0 at home in his playoff career three home playoff wins have been by an average of 15.7 points per game he's got eight touchdown passes in those home playoff games zero interceptions nine tds zero picks in two games last postseason the guy i think will josh allen will play very well and skylar thompson you know it's unfortunate that they, the dolphins have to rely on the third string quarterback nonetheless i got the bills big so does marsh all right this is your super bowl marsh <laughs> the first round yeah giant <laughs> giants and vikings 
Are you gonna are you gonna fade the Vikings like you did all year? Yeah, I faded them in that last game against the Packers, and they got absolutely annihilated. So I think I'm actually just gonna go straight up with the Vikings. They're at home. Um, I I do think it's gonna be a one score game again. Mm-hmm. They played the That's Giants. All these teams play is one score game. They just played each other a few weeks ago. It was a really close game. <laughs> one score game, 27-24. And I I I just think it's gonna happen again. They're gonna make me, like I said want to bang my head into a wall for you know three quarters and 12 minutes and then in the final minute everything's going to be fine we're going to be hooting and hollering <laughs> and we're going to enjoy our time or you know our time uh watching the game i i got the vikings in this one i completely agree it's going it's going to be a, a close game the vikings are 11 and 0 this year in one score games 11 and 0 it's the most such wins in nfl history kirk cousins eight and one 18 touchdown passes and four picks at home this season you get the Vikings on the road, different story. You get the Vikings at home. Justin Jefferson's going to be dynamic. TJ Hawkinson was an excellent midseason trade. I'm I'm a little concerned with Dalvin Cook and you know him putting the ball on the ground. He did he did so against the Bears last week, and they wind up leaning on you know Matt uh, uh, Matson, the the backup running back. Oh yeah yeah. But when Alexander com- Madison. Yeah Madison, thank you. But when it comes to this matchup specifically while the game will be tight while there will be some lead changes i do think the vikings pull it out and i think justin jefferson takes over he was one of the guys that uh not a quarterback that wanted to poop his pants tomorrow or uh sunday yeah i think he takes over and he shows just what kind of wide receiver he is which is one of the best in the league lamar jackson ruled himself out for sunday he's not a gamer anthony as his short-lived teammate sammy watkins Said. Good luck with that, Sammy. Uh, so Lamar Jackson not playing, as we know. It's going to be the Tyler Huntley show. The Ravens in Cincinnati, 7-15. John Harbaugh always has his team ready to play. The Bengals, to me, are playing better football right now than anybody else in the league. And, and it's not to say that other teams are, are, like, every other team is playing poorly. Cincinnati, the way that they have rolled since starting the season slow, they're, they've been, to me, the most impressive team since you know october i got cincinnati and i don't think this one's going to be particularly close i have the Bengals as well yeah i I like cincinnati in this one by a lot as well i I said that the closer game would be that seahawks 49ers game i think for looking at a team that could be upset a top let's say i'll throw the 49ers in there the Bengals and the bills I won't throw the Vikings in there because I think I feel like a lot of people think the Vikings could get upset out of those three teams. Which one of those teams do you feel like could get upset? Is it the 49ers? Which one did you say? 49ers, 49ers, Bills and Bengals. It's not the Bills. Uh, you know, it's the 49ers based yeah. on the fact that, again, Baltimore, but you got two backup quarterbacks starting for and I know the 49ers are starting their own backup quarterback, but Miami's not going into Buffalo and winning. I like the Bengals way too much to say that they're going to be upset. I do too. I mean, if you're if you're, you know, if you're forcing me to pick one of those three teams, I guess it would be the 49ers. It would be unfortunate for the NFL and for us fans if the Bengals and Bills or just one of them did not make it to the second round. It'd be unfortunate. Yeah, I think we'll see both. I hope so. But it's live sports, Anthony. You never know what happens. And, and Seattle and Seattle and Baltimore, to their credit, are very well coached. All right, Dallas, Tampa. This is the Monday game. Yep. I get the Cowboys. 
Okay. You got two, you got two teams. Dallas has not played well for over a month. I don't think Tampa Bay has played well all season. No, they haven't. I mean, you look you look back at Tampa's Tampa's season here, and I know it's Tom Brady. I know it's oh well, you don't know, just flip the flip the script. The best game that he had was against Carolina, who was starting multiple second uh, uh, backup cornerbacks. They're starting multiple backups in their secondary. And he threw for like 400 yards, and Mike Mike Evans had his big game. Other than that, Trace McSorley took them to overtime the week prior. They barely beat, you know, they, they they had a comeback from New Orleans in that Monday night matchup, 17-16. They got rolled by San Francisco. They got rolled by Cincinnati. They couldn't beat Cleveland in overtime. Seattle nearly came from behind in that Germany game. They barely beat the Rams 16-30. Like, they just haven't played well all year. So I'm not going to just suddenly say, well, it's the playoffs, so I'm going to start believing in Tom Brady. Again, Dallas has struggled in the last month, but I do think the Cowboys get a win on the road. Anthony, I have the Buccaneers. I feel like Jamie would be proud of me. Tom Brady is 7-0 against the Cowboys in his career, and I don't see that record changing in the loss column. Anthony, he's going to be 8-0 against the Cowboys in his career. Uh, and I do think he flips that switch because I feel like I would be an idiot to go against Tom Brady in a playoff game. Oh, so you're calling me an idiot. No, no, I just I feel nice. like I would be an idiot, you know. You have your own feelings, right? <laughs> now, every time I go against this guy, he ends up proving me wrong. So I feel like, well, maybe you'll do it again this week and on Monday, but... Uh, no, I like the Buccaneers. I do think this game is going to be an ugly game, like low-scoring, ugly game. Nice 19-16 to 16 game. Like we Monday can't get nice things. Right. Kind of game. I could buy that. All right, biggest question of the day is coming up next. And don't forget, we also have Fade or Follow. So if you text in Fade, you might have an opportunity to win $50 of FanDuel's money. That's coming up in 15 minutes. But we have the big question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Andrew March, I'm Anthony Stolzer. Time for the question of the day where you, the listener, get an opportunity to leave us a mic drop and maybe you have uh, your opportunity to hear your question read. Marsh, who do we got today? Today we have Will. I think the biggest issue with Jack Flaherty is no one knows who he is. Is he going to be an ace? Is he even going to start? Is he going to be healthy? Like, that is, that's at least my biggest issue. And then with management banking on him being at least a starter and if he's not an ace well we're still in the same situation we have been the last couple years where we have no ace we have a a lot of good second and third guys but there's no real number one and looking around the league i don't know that we can compete so who who do you think jack flaherty will be this upcoming season I feel like if there is going to be an ace for the Cardinals he has to be it he projects as an ace in my opinion compared to the other guys in the rotation so Marsh let's do this let's zero in I think that Jack Flaherty is a microcosm for the fan for for a large portion of the fan base's frustration Let's go beyond the 
the like notion that the Cardinals don't spend, which isn't true. They just don't spend how other teams spend. They right. don't spend how you want them to spend. Let's go beyond whether or not they have the roster to compete with the Phillies and the Mets and the Braves and the Dodgers and the Padres. You don't. So let's go beyond that. Let's just talk, let's just look at this roster and take what Will said about Jack Flaherty and expand it. The rotation as a whole is a question mark. Where they find their next top starter is a question mark. Matt, uh, not Matthew Libertor. Jack Flaherty, and like Will said, is a question mark. Maybe the middle of the the bullpen for some people might be a question mark. How do you fill our Pujols' production is a question mark. Is Brendan Donovan a full-time player? You kind of feel good about it, but yeah. it's still a question. I feel like this whole team is just surrounded you by see where I'm question going. marks. You see where I'm going with this. The outfield is a major question. Can Lars Nupar do what he did in the second half? Can he do it for a full season? Is he a full-time player? Can Dylan Carlson take that proverbial next step in his development? Question. Tyler O'Neill, can he be what he was what he was two years ago? Or will injuries ruin another season like they did last year? Another question mark. While it's an exciting question, we don't know what Jordan Walker is and whether or not he is even going to be a part of the team, nonetheless be an impact player. These are all the questions that people have. Juan Yepes. I'm pretty high on Juan Yepes. You talked to BT and we did yesterday. BT indicated that Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman are going to split split time at dh will that split work can nolan gorman take its next step in his development can juan yepes be a regular maybe not a full-time player but a regular i'm excited about those two guys still questions though right yeah 100 okay let's just do one team marsh pick a contender in the nl let's go with the Let's go with the Mets. Okay. So we go to the Mets roster. So I, we just got done with with the Cardinals and, and looking at that the, the roster and t- kind of the questions, okay? Marsh picked the Mets. Pete Alonzo. Francisco Lindor. Are we comparing position by position? We're just, we're just looking at the Mets. We're not even comparing them with the Cardinals. Okay. Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, DH, you're looking at a Dan- Daniel Vogelbach or Darren Ruff. Their pitching staff, we know what they have in Scherzer, and they add Ver- Verlander. You look at the, you know, the, the relief, not as much from a closer standpoint, but maybe maybe middle relief you can kind of pick, pick it apart a little bit because Edwin Diaz is their closer. You don't look at the Mets and have a bunch of questions still litany of questions like you do with the cardinals and if we did this with the phillies same idea the padres same idea you have questions but not as many as the cardinals i think the jack flaherty frustration can actually go to the cardinals roster and that you didn't eliminate a bunch of questions this year just like you didn't last offseason. Right. You went into the end went into the season, you still had a bunch of questions. Now you had a good year. You may have added more questions. But you may have added more questions. You did one thing this offseason, and I'm glad they did. 
you answered perhaps the biggest question and what are you gonna what are you gonna do at catcher with Yachty now now gone you sign Wilson Contreras fantastic feel feel great about that but beyond that you still have a whole bunch of questions that we went over and that we continue to go over that you haven't answered I don't think I, I think fans are pretty realistic with where the Cardinals are at in the NL Central. They know they could compete in the National National League Central. But beyond that, you haven't you haven't answered the other questions. Could Tyler O'Neill have an MVP season? He could. Could Jack Flaherty return to form? He could. But as the frustrations of the text line often point out, it's a whole bunch of ifs. It's a whole bunch of what ifs. It's a whole bunch of maybes. And I think that in and of itself, Marsh, is the biggest complaint that we get for Cardinals fans and I and I understand it I get it and I think it's because of the track record we we look to the past and we see what has happened in the past and we can't necessarily get our minds and get that out of our mind like when you we joke around I'm always like ah you're like oh you got to believe more you got to believe and I'm like well Anthony I've seen this happen like how many times like Okay, but I, you know that, what I'm saying. I feel like that's where the fans are at right now. Marsh, Marsh, that playoff loss, that game one playoff loss, that was on you, Anthony. You don't need to point the finger at me. Did you believe? I saw no, it. No, I didn't, and there's a reason why. Yeah. Okay. This is why I blame you as a fan. Because there's so many question marks, Anthony. It's the fast lane, 101 ESPN. We appreciate the question of the day. Who was that, Nick? That was Will. Will. Thanks, Will. Do we have a Nick earlier? Nick was oh, the on the gauntlet. That's right. That's that right. You beat you beat him. Well, in hockey, I mean, you know, when that wheel spins to hockey and you're facing me, <laughs> good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. All right. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Fader follows next, and uh, we'll wrap up the show ahead of the weekend. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. Don't fade, do Money, 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 money. All right, this is one contestant's opportunity, one listener's opportunity to take $50 of FanDuel's money and then have an opportunity to continue to win $50 of FanDuel's money by getting on a little bit of a streak. And Marsh, we haven't gotten on a streak lately. No, we, I mean, we have a streak of losing. Well, but, I, you know, last week, we yeah. could, I mean, we could have made it two in a row. Well, I guess technically we didn't lose. Right. The listener did. They did, but not following us. That's awkward. Daniel is our latest contestant. What's up, Daniel? No, we got we got Ken. Ken? Who's yeah. Ken? <laughs> this <me>. is Ken. <laughs> What's up, Ken? I had Daniel Dan I must say Daniel uh Dimes. Danny on, on Dimes my, on my brain. Sorry, Ken. How are you? Money on your mind, Where Anthony. How did I get Daniel? I have no idea. It's a Friday, Ken. I'm sorry. It's getting a little late ah, in the no show. Worries. Uh thank you for playing Fa- FanDuel's Fade or Follow. Do you know how it works? I do. All right, perfect. So we'll, we'll give you we'll give you a play that we like this weekend. You determine whether or not you fade or follow it. Uh, Marsh and I discussed this one. I've been hyping up Trevor Lawrence all week. I think he has a big game. His passing over under is two hundred and forty five and a half. So he's got to get two hundred and forty six passing yards or more, and we cash this this play. If you look at Trevor Lawrence this season, Ken. 
against right. winning teams, he averages 291 yards. At home, he averages 256 yards. So either way, he's going over that 245 and a half total. Would you like to fade us on this Trevor Lawrence prop play or follow us? Since the hockey guy got there and he didn't have an input, I'm going to go ahead and follow. You caught out, Ken. Was, was that a follow? That's a follow since the hockey guy's not there to get that bad influence. Yes. All right. I like you, Ken. All right. So you just need Trevor Lawrence to throw for over 246 yards tomorrow night against the Chargers. You win $50. And you'll be back next week for another $50. Sound good? That sounds great. Let's right. do it. Ken, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane. All right, you guys too. Thanks. I appreciate you. Right. Why did I come up with Daniel? I what have no idea. I even said in the what break, the I go, What the hell is wrong with Anthony, me? Anthony, we have Ken. And you go, what's up, Ken? What's and, up, Ken? Yeah. Like you were talking to I was right talking to, to Ken. Then you're, and and Daniel. You, I mean, Daniel Jones. Maybe that's. Your guy this week. What the hell? All right. I don't uh, know. If, if you missed anything from today's show, like me calling Ken Daniel, uh, just download the podcast at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 ESPN mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Marsh, uh, we have any criticisms or compliments? Yeah, we absolutely do. We'll start with the, uh, the 314. I knew he would show up today, everybody. Welcome, Ranthony, back. Did I have it wasn't it wasn't quite the rant that I no. had the other day. No, not at all. I don't know bit. if we'll ever top that one, but <laughs> it was like you were on the precipice of right there. You were yeah. right there. You I, wanted to, you were tiptoeing the line, you right. saw the line, you're like, eh, I'm not gonna cross it, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely flirting with it. Right. I feel like it's gotta be a Cardinals thing too. Yeah, oh hundred percent. Yeah. It's like Cardinals. The, some of uh, like a lack of uh, a lack of perception. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Ranthony comes out. 100%. I like that name, too. That's Ranthony. That's fun. Ranthony Stalter. <laughs> it's time for a rant by Ranthony Stalter. It's not, it's, it's also hard to rant on a Friday. Yeah, you know, we're in a good mood. You got some blues action tomorrow. You 100%. got the, the, the NFL playoffs. A lot going on. You got the Cardinals uh, increasing their payroll today, Marsh, by adding all this arbitration players. What? Yeah. That's right. Payroll went up today. Just like Mo said it would. You're absolutely right. Speaking of the uh, NFL games, we got a compliment from Janet. Really? Yeah. Here's Janet. We're looking forward to all the playoff games. By the way, while I have you on the uh, line, I just wanted to tell you how much I really, really love your show. I do miss Brad, but you and Anthony and... Uh, Jamie remind me of the old show with Anthony and Duncan, which was always my favorite. I just love you guys. Keep keep up with all the humor and making me laugh and making me interested because you have such good conversations. Thank you. Janet, I I could cry right now. I almost did listening to it. That was incredibly sweet. And Janet, we love you too. And and we love that you're such a great sport about, uh, you know, not only enjoying our humor and, you know, uh, certainly razzing us. And we just appreciate you as a listener. And thank you for the kind words uh, for Dunk and I. Uh, The the turn was my first show. And uh, I would not be where I'm at right now without Chris Duncan, who often... Uh, went to bat for me when it comes to my radio career, but he was just um, uh, a 
somebody that was near and dear to my heart. And I've I've said this on on these airwaves a lot, and I and I I'll, I'll say it until the day I die that that guy I will think about in some way, shape, or form every single day because that's how how much he had an impact on my life. But for Janet to say that and to be a listener as long you know to go back to the turn days and to have. Uh, our show reminds you a little bit of the turn, Janet. That means that means the world to me. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you for such the kind words. That was really nice. I get chills, Marsh. I know when I was listening to it, I was like, you know, you kind of you kind of laugh. You get that laugh smile, and yeah. you're like, oh wow, like that was really a, nice. That was really cool. Janet always brings the heat, which I love. But that was really sweet. Thank you, Janet. Yeah, she can switch up just like that. Uh, we got a uh, compliment from the three one four. Jamie is. Not with us right now in the studio. Right. Uh, but this one from the 314. JR was amazing on the Riz show this morning. Uh, Jamie Rivers. I'm sure Jeremy Rutherford would be great too if he was on the Riz Certainly. show. Certainly. Yeah, this time he meant Jamie Rivers. Yeah, different JR. I gotta, Marsh, I got to go back and download the podcast of the Riz show too to listen to today. I didn't, I didn't have an opportunity to listen to him, but the energy involved with Riz and Donnie Fandango and, and Jamie. And King Scott, that was the crew today. I'll definitely go back and take a listen, but I'm sure I'm sure Jamie killed it. Jamie, Jamie liked Dunk. I mean, the, the, just naturals. And BT falls into this this category as well. Just naturals on the radio, personalities. They're honest. Like what you what you hear of Jamie Rivers on air is exactly who he is off air. Oh, 100%. Dunk was the same way. BT the same way. And on top of those guys also be some of the har- some of the hardest workers in the industry i i can't i can't pay uh anybody a, a larger compliment than that like jamie's real he's a re- that that is who he is on and off air same again same thing with bt and dunk was the same way too but i'm sure he killed it on the Riz show we'll have to go back and uh and listen to it for sure uh from the 314 stalts you're the uh, i can't say this on the radio i'll just say the word ish thanks brother you're the ish man even though you're from san jose yeah thanks yeah i appreciate that thanks for overlooking that (laughs) there's some really good there's some really good bits when it comes to like where i'm from yeah jamie jamie will say uh you know your hometown detroit i get uh i'm from the bay area it's fantastic listeners just get the show they get us 100 percent uh, from the 636, agree with Janet. Y'all do a good job making the listeners feel like a friend shooting the breeze with you. One thing that Jamie and I, when it when it was the uh, Stalter and River show, and we definitely carried it on now with Marsh, uh, and BT felt this way too, Wh- what we want to accomplish is if you are overhearing a conversation between Marsh, Jamie, and I, or Marsh, Jamie, and, and BT, myself, at a bar, you would want to participate, and we would love for you to participate. So that's kind of the way we set up the show. We're at, we're all at a bar. We're hanging out. We're talking sports. We're talking, you know, life, and we want everybody to participate. And I feel like, for the most part, our listeners just do a tremendous job for that. On that note, happy Friday to everybody. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Blues tomorrow and NFL playoffs, and we'll see you on Monday. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.